Great to be here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, he is Ben Troop. Glad you are with us on 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com as well. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can watch us live uh, there as well if you're not uh, near your radio. So, Or if you're listening to us on the radio and you're like, hey, I got to go back into this important meeting. Just put us on the YouTube channel and watch the <laughs> watch the quotes rolling across the bottom. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, stay with three and out. YouTube channel is uh, ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. It's been a lot to get to. We'll chat with Fred Owens uh, later in the show of Tomahawk Take Braves. Don't call it a winning streak, but they. I'm afraid to. But they are on one. Swept the Rockies five games now in a row, back to 500. We've said this a bunch. Could this be a turning point? And I say that if they lose to Oakland tomorrow and go back. But are we starting to see the turning point in the schedule tip their way? And again, you're eight and a half behind the Mets. Hey, that's fine. I think goal one, get to 500. And if you can keep pressing above 500, as we've seen, you're going to be there come the end of the year. But five in a row, obviously that means a little something given what this team's been doing. I mean, Kevin, I mean, no, we, we don't got to cut. We don't got to act like it is a win streak, a nice one, too. And I think when you think about what the Braves were able to do, gain some momentum. Now, those pesky Dodgers, they, they, I mean, those pesky uh, men, they find a way to keep winning. But you can't really, it, you know, it has, to, it has to be less about trying to keep pace with the men and controlling what you, you can control. I mean, I know we're going to get to, you know, Ronald Cooney Jr. finding his stride. I mean, oh, yeah. when this guy's playing well. But I just think that, Kevin, when you think about this team, we kept saying the magic, the magic number was three. Now, it, you wanted to, obviously they you know swept the Rockets, but when you look at what they was able to do, go on a nice little winning streak, build some momentum, and it seems now obviously eight to seven last night, which you know got a little scary there, but a win is a win. I think when you think about this Braves team, it's control what you can control. Don't get to looking too far ahead. Don't get to worry about what's going on in your division. Control what you can control. Go out there and play extremely well because I do think that you know Kevin, especially with a team like with a team like the Braves. They're so hot and cold. They were so hot and cold. I mean, one day to be the best, next day to be the pitcher, next day to be you know, uh, you know, next day to be the bullpen. I think when they can find a way to put things together, it makes everybody better. It makes it makes the starting pitching a lot more confident. Um, I hope that Ronald Cunha Jr. is becoming more of a, a day in day out. I want him getting back to just playing every day. Ronald Cunha Jr. had a really really nice uh, post game interview. He's sitting there talking about he's gonna do you know the ice tray. I know he do the little. You know he, he, you know he does his little celebration when he gets his, uh, you know when he gets his uh, home runs. But that's the Braves, though. The Braves is a team of personalities. You have a lot of them. Matt Olson. I mean, I know we're gonna get to him later on. Really, 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 really found a way to get back into his groove. And Matt, Matt Olson always has that, you know, the you know the ghost of Freddie Freeman on his shoulder sure. every single day. But I think he uses his motivation. I do like it when players like a guy like Matt Olson understands. Look, Matt, right, wrong, and different. You replace the man. Right, and that's gonna be on you know. But the great thing about it, you know, Kevin, you uh, put their numbers together. He's really, really similar to what Freddie Freeman is doing. But I think that when this team is when this team is mashing, obviously Ronald Cooney Jr. being inserted into that freaking uh, outfield is gonna make them so much better. Very, very young and very, very, very good in the outfield when he's out there. You'll take you listen. You'll take a, a nice little win streak because mo- a game of momentum starts with the confidence. When you're winning, you're more confident. You know, uh, I can't remember the coach that says better. Listen, man, your lady looks more beautiful. You know, uh, the, uh, uh, whatever you drink, it tastes better. Every Life is better when you're winning. But shout out to the Braves, man, finding a way to go into a weekend. Kevin saying, look, we got to we gotta keep pace, but we got to build some momentum. We got to build some confidence. Check, check, and check. 
But they got those, you know, they got those Oakland A's coming to town. I know um, Matt Olson's old team. You want to try to, you know, you want to try to stick with your winning ways because, like I said, don't play down to bad competition, even though that bad competition are in the bigs and you are still the defending World Series champs. So you're going to get their best. Matt Olson, don't lose your mind trying to swing at everything to try to go yard against your old team. But great, uh, great weekend for the Braves. Kevin went into the weekend. We will say, hey, man, they need momentum. Coming out the weekend with a lot of momentum, a win streak, I'll take it. Absolutely. And, again, uh, look, I, I think this is a team that's been playing uh, much better as of late. Uh, Michael Harris, along with Ronald Acuna in the outfield, you've seen that really come up uh, in terms of the uh, defensive level of play out there. And, uh, as you said, Matt Olson is going to be wearing Freddie Freeman as the comparison maybe for the rest of his time Probably. Uh, in, in Atlanta, which we know with the eight-year deal is going to be quite some time. Uh, somebody put the numbers next next to each other. Matt Olson's hitting 255. They played basically the same number of games. Matt Olson's hitting 255. Freddie Freeman's hitting 294. You go, okay, that's a huge difference. That's 40 points. Okay, I get it. Matt Olson with seven homers. Freddie Freeman has four. Matt Olson with 28 RBI. Freddie Freeman with 30. Matt Olson, 829 OPS, which is on base percentage plus slugging. And Freddie Freeman with 834. So very comfortable uh, and comparable there. Matt Olson, I believe, is first in the National League in extra base hits, in doubles. So he is he's getting it done. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you can look at it and say, well, yes. well, Freddie's hitting almost 300 and Matt's hitting 250. The numbers are pretty close. You yeah. get three more homers with Matt Olson, about the same number of RBI, and they're getting on base and slugging pretty much the same. So, uh, look, you could talk about, oh, he's not Freddie, he's not this, he's not that. You're getting pretty much the same. Yes. Uh, pretty much the same. Yes. Now, has he made a few more errors defensively? Sure. Is he – he actually came out and said, look, I'm not playing the type of defense that I expect myself, that people thought uh, of me when we got here. But through that all, you have basically swapped out Freddie Freeman. You've done, I think, to a degree, what Alex Anthopoulos – was he forced to do it? Maybe when they played – you know, Freddie Freeman and company made, played hardball with one another. But you basically have the same, the same type of player happening at first base right now with with Matt Olson. And Kevin, I mean, I, I will say this too. I mean, not, not to make excuses for a guy like Matt Olson, but how much, how much more pressure was on him when you got to run Lacuna in in and out of the lineup? Sure. And then when you talk about a team that was pressed, and he's coming on onto a team that has, the, you know, he's a part of the World Series champs. He wasn't a part of the previous team, and Matt Olson has a tremendous amount of pressure on him. One. You know, he signed an eight-year deal, you know, in the air. Coming from L.A. Uh, or coming from California, uh, you know, to, to, to Florida. Then you think about, you think about, you know, what he's trying to live up to. People say that worse. He is the, he is the third best, uh, you know, our first baseman in baseball. At best, he's probably number two. Right? You know who number one is. People say, well, he's not He's not Freddie Freeman. Well, there is, well, nobody is. But I do think when you talk about what Matt Olson brings to the table, he brings power. He can leave the yard on you. And... When he's poised at the plate, he's very, he's very, very, very dangerous. I just think for for Matt Olson, it's always about the same thing I say about I mean about a running quick. Be yourself. Like when this team is playing at its best, guys can be comfortable. Because I get it. Baseball is a game of averages, it's a game of who is failing at at, at we all failing. I'm just trying to fail at a at a you know at a slower rate than everybody around me. But Kevin, I mean, I'm at the end of the day, I mean uh, I'll listen, I'll take that OPS any day. I mean, eight eight twenty nine. I I'll take that. I mean, close your eyes and say, I mean, are you going? I'm 
I got a guy, you know, he's batting 255. He got seven home runs. He got 28 RBIs. He got 829 OPS. Uh, I'll take that in the day of the week, but I think when you compare that to what he brings to this lineup, he's fitting right in. So if you go have somebody replace Freddie Freeman, I, I mean, I'll take Matt Olson because, like I said, different circumstance, obviously them Dodgers. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. I mean, sure. I'm not taking nothing away from them, but last time I checked, the Dodgers are not the defending World Series champs. That would be <laughs> the Braves, and that's and that's going to be that until proven otherwise. But great job by the Braves all weekend long. I mean, that breath of fresh air to say, Ronald Acuna is listen when he's doing his interviews and he's smiling. You know, I mean, he probably had a good. I think he went, I think he went four for four. I think I think he was out there just going crazy. But I just think that with his team, Kevin. Be yourself. Let the personality just, you know, just flow sure. through. And I think that when everybody is healthy and everybody's, you know, out there having fun, they they prove to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Uh, yeah, look, absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I, I will look at uh, what this Braves team did this weekend. You say, oh, they beat Colorado, who's struggling. Yeah, no Chris Bryant. He was he was injured, not playing. Look, you go to Colorado and, and, and weird stuff happens. I don't know if that's the same way in football, Ben, and if you ever got a chance to play at Mile High Stadium, uh, but – with baseball, you go to Colorado and weird stuff happens. You don't go there and just say, hey, we're going to pitch a shutout. We're going to do it. No. It's like you saw Friday or Thursday. It was like 13 to 6. And then you come back Friday and it was nothing to nothing going into the extras. Saturday, what, 1 to 1 went to extras. I, this, is a, this is a series, Ben, where you say, what has not happened well for the Braves this year? Well, when the offense hadn't gone well, sometimes the pitching falters. They, they went. And won a game nothing, it was nothing to nothing after nine mm-hmm. in Colorado. Point two, where have the Braves struggled this year? Oh, they stink oh, in, in extra innings. Yes. They won not one, but two games in extra innings this weekend. So I feel like from a momentum standpoint, from maybe a situation where you look at it and say, look, for whatever reason, we stink in extra innings. We can't get to it. Because I know a lot of people on Friday night, I was reading Twitter, folks. Nothing. A lot of people go, I can't believe it's nothing to nothing in Colorado. And the Braves are going to blow this thing in extra. Like, the number of people. It's, it, it, I'm beginning to believe it. It's not, I don't believe in the curse, but I do believe Atlanta fans just have a mental block. I won't call it a mental you know, disease. I will call it a mental block. That they just always think bad things are going to happen. And you saw this team uh, come out and, uh, and prevail in close ball games. And in extra innings, and uh, and get the job done. Ben, when did you get a chance to play in Denver? Did like I weird, did, I did. Your weird play, stuff happen? Oh, it did. And and for those and for those who don't um, really understand the air, it is serious. You can't breathe. Like you you get off the plane, it's like you you looking around, and it takes. Listen, it really really takes getting really really takes getting used to. I played in Denver. Like I played. Uh, I think I played twice in the preseason, like twice during the regular season, one time on Monday Night Football, and it's rough now. It is rough. It it is an advantage. Uh, for the guys that play in Denver, because at the end of the day, it's not something that you get used to. I mean, uh, I think that I think it was so crazy to where Ryan, uh, Ryan Clark, who you know played for the Steelers, he had single cell anemia. He couldn't even. You can't even go. Like what? Because you could. Uh, you yeah. could die if you get <laughs> off this plane and you can't. So that that uh that area is. I mean, even coming through the airport, you yes. ask yourself. You look around like, is it? What's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, do you? Yes, they call it mile high for a reason. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Listen, I'm listen. I'm I will take those type of results anytime if the Braves and like you say, Kevin. Crazy things happen when they definitely play the Rockets. Look, Colorado is a wonderful place. I will always sing the praises of Colorado. It is a beautiful state to live in. I know folks that lived, uh, you know, outside of Colorado Springs. Beautiful country. 
I will say this. You can't breathe there. When you come here from sea level Georgia and you go out to Colorado, like I literally was standing, like I'll never forget the last time I was there because they say it takes you a couple of days to really Mm -hmm. feel better about it. Last time I was there, I'm literally just standing there talking to somebody and I catch myself like (gasps) trying to take that extra breath. It's like I'm not even doing anything Mm -hmm. and I'm out of breath. I did play some, uh, you know, pickup basketball when I was there and there was a really intense kind of series of about 30 seconds back and forth. I'm not, I mean, this was when I was younger days. I was in a little better shape. And after, you know, where it's like full court sprinting for about, the, you know, the last 45 <laughs> oh, seconds to, yeah. to two minutes. And I oh, said, yeah. timeout. And I went and laid on the floor. And it, I mean, I, I could not get my breath back. And it was, it was, uh, it was amazing. So, and I will say this, your lips get chapped in like 13 seconds. Well, I went to visit some friends out there. They're like, hey, make sure you bring, you know, the, the chapstick. Oh, I'm, yeah. You're, you're, I'm like, why? They're like, there's no humidity. Look like you're out there kissing powder donuts. I will say this. Coming from, again, coming from coastal Georgia, you go out to Denver, <laughs> and they're like, it's 90 degrees. Yeah. But it's 90 degrees at altitude and no humidity. <gasps> it feels great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's and there's like no bugs and all that kind of stuff. When people from when 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 people come from the West Coast or they come from the Midwest and they say, "Hey man, I'm I'm coming down to uh, Southeast Georgia, man. It can't be that hot." Oh and yeah. Next thing you know, you, uh, hey man, how y'all deal with this? <laughs> hey man, yeah. this, this, this like is what it is. I, and again, I was like I said, I I as a Georgia boy was out there in the summertime and it felt great during the day. Then the sun went down and that <laughs> wind started blowing off the Rockies. Oh yeah. I'm gonna tell you, it was July. I had on long johns. Come on. Had on jeans. Yep. Had a sweatshirt on. Mm-hmm. I was freezing, and they're they're laughing at me. Uh-huh. I'm like, how do y'all do this? It was 90 degrees. Now it feels like 12 outside. But yeah. it was maybe yeah. You can't breathe. It's 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 hot, and then it's cold. It's just a weird place. It's just a weird place. And the Braves go out there and uh, and, and get the job done. So much to get to. We'll 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 leave our altitude talk. For a uh, for another time, we'll come back. College football Hall of Fame ballots out. Some guys out there on the uh, the first time, including Ben, one Timothy Tebow. Okay, we'll talk about that when um, we come back. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back on this Monday here on Three and Out. College football Hall of Fame ballot is released. Ben Troop, Tim Tebow. On it for the first time. Now, obviously, folks are on there many times, but uh, Tim Tebow on there for the first time. Ryan Leaf uh, on there as well. But you talk about the the criteria. You have to go through a whole, whole bunch of things. Coach can be eligible after retirement, but he's got to be at least 70. So Nick Saban... Is he seventy yet? I, I, oh, I'm saying, Getting close. Oh, I don't want to age him there, but like, hey, I think he let's might, just say, if he ain't seventy, he got to be right. Let's there say right. Nick Saban retired four years ago. He still had all those championships. Yes, maybe the, the best to ever do it. He'd have to wait until he was seventy years old to get on the ballot. Seven. I mean, seventy. That seems a. Uh, that seems a little bit. Uh, Excessive. But first, here, here, this is what it says. The, this is from the Football Foundation. First and foremost, a player must have received first-team All-America recognition by a selector that is recognized by the NCAA and utilized to comprise its consensus All-America team. So, I don't know how many people put out an All-America ballot. 
But to be recognized by the NCAA, I think there's like two of them. That's tough. Mm-hmm. As we've talked about, there's some guy, there's a couple of dudes that, that that ran the football at Georgia that might be in the top five all-time SEC. Never got first team All-America because you know there's only two, two running backs to get that across the 130 schools. Two can't be in the College Football Hall of Fame. I've been, I've been, I think that's, I think it's, it's, it's time crazy. we, we change some it's of that. It's crazy. I, Kevin, we always talking about the Hall of Fame on this show and how like how hard it is. To get in any one of them, college—it's like the college. I mean, the college football hall of fame—they try to make it almost, you know, like the unthinkable. Like this person, how you gonna get in? How you gonna do this? How you gonna do that? But I now look, unless you were just, you know, weren't born, which is, you know, possible, and you just never watched college football, Tim Tebow is going to get in, and this guy did it about all you can do, uh, in college football. First team, uh, All American. Uh, first team All SEC, SEC Player of the Year, two-time uh, national champion. I want to say two-time SEC champion, Heisman Trophy winner. Was the youngest Heisman Trophy winner at the time before Lamar Jackson came through and broke that. Almost three thousand career rushing yards, fifty-seven touchdowns. Has too many records to name, but Tim Tebow, arguably one of the faces of college football forever. When you talk about what he meant to. The Florida, what he meant to the sport. I mean, just an iconic figure. He's going to get in. I think the thing about college football Hall of Fame, Kevin, is you start seeing some of these names, you start saying, look, I'm not a part of the committee who has to put together these rules. But sure. rules are rules are set so that we like, hey, these, these are guidelines. I get it. But these things are, like, kind of crazy. I mean, some of these, there are going to be guys that had incredible college careers. That's not sure. going to get in. I mean, I think Mark Ritt is on that. Mark Ritt's in and as a coach, yeah. First and, I, time I, on, and I know he's – and this is the thing. If Mark Ritt can't get in until he's 70, what are you doing that to him for? Hey, Mark, you're on the list. Okay. No, it said, it said uh, you have to be out of coaching three years and at least 70 years old. Like, why, why are we making – apparently you don't. Apparently you just have to wait three years to get out of coaching, I guess. Because well, Mark Ritt's not 70. Yeah. But that's where – I was reading it from their – from their bylaws, that out of out of, out of uh, coaching three years and at least seventy, I don't think it said or seventy years old, mm-hmm. but you know, Mark Rick uh, again, and this is where it's tough because I heard Christian talk about this on second down. Where we don't go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, it is a criteria of sorts, but we don't go to Pro Football Hall of Fame and go must have at least a Super Bowl. Yeah, right. There's plenty of guys in the Hall of Fame that hey, I'm a great player, elite player on a team that just couldn't get there. Yeah, right. And you're still Hall of Fame, Dan, Dan Marino. Dan Marino threw for more yards, was in the playoffs, all that. Don't have a Super Bowl, nope. right? But is Dan Marino not deserving of Pro Football Hall of Fame status? Of course he is. Yes. So I think in college football, to, to me, I think it's time you look at the criteria. Look, I, I think, hey, must be, just because in today's day and age you are not a first-team college football All-American, to me, doesn't mean you weren't one of the best players in the country. Uh, you know, I... I that's just that's just me, Ben. Because again, if if you look at it and say first team, unless we're going to do one of those things, we're like, hey, on our first team we had sixty-seven players. Like, no, you're, you're talking about forty-four guys a year. Now, I would understand this argument. I would disagree with it, but I understand the argument, Ben, and say, hey, Hall of Fames are elite. Yes. Not for the no very good. No, it's that, for that, the elite. That, yeah, that, that, so that, that, by yes. you saying you must be first team All American, you are excluding a lot, a lot of really good players. A lot. 
However, I think if you look at certain guys and say, yeah. look, Nick Nick Chubb, was he not? I mean, he, he's going to go down. Todd Gurley, right? Was was Todd Gurley first team All-American? I'm, I'm thinking he was. Like one, I remember one of those guys, like, they're both in the top five all-time rushing in the SEC. Yeah, it's important. And so it's, it's like, how, how, like, come on. Like, that, that to me, would be uh, egregious. But I, I think when you look at it, I will hear the argument, it's the, the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of the Very, Very Good. I get it. You want to keep it elite and by doing that. But normally when you say that, MLB, we're talking about 30 teams. NFL, we're talking about 32 teams. In college football, you're talking about 130 Whoa. at the D1 level. Hold on, hold on, Kevin. You, hold on, you said some. Check this out. I'm, I'm going to give you something. NFL Offensive Player of the Year, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, two-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL rushing touchdown leader, Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team, first-team All-ACC, second-team all-SEC, that would be a one Todd Gurley. He is so not So no All-American. No. And, 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 and I mean, that's crazy. And, and I think the thing is, too, though, right, I, as, you know, as a person that's blessed enough to be in the Florida-Georgia or Georgia-Florida uh, game Hall of Fame, I think what happens in, in these situations is I look at the Hall of Fame the same way I look at anything else. Can you tell the story? Because, Kevin, we don't know how they do these All-American lists anymore, <laughs> do we? we? We really don't know how they – how they decide who does what? Well, there's what. probably ten guys like, that are, like, you know, like people are going, worthy of people being. Are going, oh, yeah. Calvin, Calvin Johnson was a, a Hall of Famer in, in, in the pros. Well, he was a Hall of Famer at Georgia Tech too. Did you see him? <laughs> Two-time first-team All-American. And I, I just think that there are going to be some guys. It's almost like this. It's almost like they should invite everybody who can't get in to a ceremony and let them see the guys who got in. Be like, I want y'all to see these guys. I mean, Nick I will, Chubb is not a Nick Chubb is not eligible. I will say there's a lot of dudes on this list. Yes, that are I mean, Luke, Kevin, Kevin Hardy, Marvin Harrison, wow. Garrison Hurst, Wow, Craig, Craig Hayward, Wow, you know, uh, I mean Ray Lewis, Sebastian Janikowski, wow. I mean, Brady James was uh, Brady James in, LSU. It's like yeah, would you say Brady James was he? I mean, when you think Brady James off the top, you're like. That, is that one of the best? And he was a first-team All-American. Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. Now, as, a, as, a, as a person that had to play against him, I would, I would, okay. go, I would go, yeah. Because what happened is, it's a, now, the problem is about the Hall of Fame, it takes so long for guys to be eligible that you got to be squinting like, wait a minute, when did he play? How did he play? No, no, no. Brady James, he was he was, he was a phenomenal yeah. linebacker for them. You know, I got a lot of aches and pains dealing with, dealing with old Brady James. But uh, I, Kevin, like I said, Luke Keekley ain't in yet. Luke yeah, Keekley hit you know, everything that moved. That, that, uh, and you say that, Ben. I, I will I will point this out. Luke Luke Keekley, did he play? I'm I'm trying to say did he did he play four years? Or did he come out early? I think I think he came out. I think he only played three years. Look it up real quick before I give you this stat. Okay, you finna give me you Just, finna, I, 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 I I will I, I because Luke Keekley, he's a three time first team All ACC performer. So my guess is he only played three years because yeah, it, dude was a beast. All right, so. How many tackles? So three years, <laughs> at best. Yeah. I, 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 no disrespect to Boston College, but at best we're talking 12, 13 games with a bowl game. Okay, he only so, played three. He only played three. So, years. so he Luke, played, so he only Luke played Ke- nine, ten, and eleven. Okay, so Luke Keekley had three year college career. Yeah. Three, three, mm-hmm. three years. Boston College was no front runner. So yeah. Let's be. Let's just assume. <laughs> let's just assume that they made it to a bowl game all oh, three years. Okay. And that's what. Oh, we're, oh boy, we're gonna have to do math. Uh-huh. Math. That's thirteen times three. That's thirty-nine ball games. Mm-hmm. 
My ma- if my math okay, is correct. That, that is correct. 39 ball games. How many tackles do you think Luke Keekley ended up with? Oh, Lord. Uh, In 39 ball games. I would say 400. Close. 532. <laughs> so and he on, played on. three years. Three 530. Just, just to show people, that's, that's equivalent. If I'm being honest, that's equivalent to about five, six people. Like, that's a... Five, and he only played three. Like he only played. It's almost like, no, no, think about this. No, because I remember he's talking about this. A, he's coming back for a senior year. Coach goes, Luke, listen, we love you. Bruh, there ain't nothing else you can no, do. No, this is for real. I mean, think about this. If he comes back for his senior year at Boston College, he might end up with 700 tackles. 700. That's insane. Second all-time in NCAA history, and he only played Second three Second all yeah, I want to know who the guy the guy had first. Most tackles in college football. Oh, I'm sorry, Ben. I've been, well, I'm, I'm sending Ben down a Google spiral, but no, you see, you see some of these guys on there. It's like to me, Luke Kuechly a no brainer. Five hundred and thirty two tackles. No, Luke Kuechly is number one all time. Oh, it is. Well, in, no, his, set, set in his bio, it says he is second in the NCAA at five thirty two, leader in BC and ACC. Again, this is from the Football Foundation, so. Well, maybe, 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 listen, listen, Football maybe, Foundation maybe have maybe, it wrong. Let me, let, no, no, no. He, somebody could have, somebody could have come along that played, you know, twelve years in college and just. <laughs> no, no. When I when I go to total tackles career leader, he has he has five hundred thirty two. Marcus McGraw has five ten. Well, I mean, that is that. It doesn't say Division One, so there could be somebody in D two yeah, or somebody has more than that. And, 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 and to show you what I mean, these are the top ten colleges that did it. Boston College, Houston, Temple, Virginia, Texas Tech, yeah. UCLA, San Jose, Central Michigan, Ball State. So, so like, that's a D one record for sure. Listen, then. listen. Whoever whoever has more than him, they probably had two medical red shirts. And <laughs> I mean, hey, man, but Luke, Higley, I don't know how you do that, I, but three. But, but Luke Higley is gonna be is gonna get in. I mean, Ray Lewis is the guy I saw on the list. Uh, I mean, Reggie Bush. Wow, Reggie Bush and what he did at USC. It's gonna be a lot of guys not get in, and rightfully so. It doesn't mean that you weren't an incredible player, but it's only room for so many people. And this yeah. Tim Tebow class going to be serious just because they, they – and I'm, Tim Tebow going to be last. Did everybody get to say something yet? Yeah. All right, Tim Tebow, bringing his entourage. He has a whole little section over there. But, hey, man, shout out to the shout out to the uh, you know potential Hall of Famers, man, to even get uh, recognized is pretty prestigious. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of, lot to uh, to live up to. We'll get to that when we come back. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here at 3 and Out. You know, some guys just have it differently than other folks, Ben. Right? The terminal. Thank yes. you. We were, we were talking Tom Hanks. Sorry, I Beautiful didn't say movie, that. By yes. the way. Uh, we were talking about Tom that. Kenosha, or whatever he said. Yeah, yeah. Does, does Tom Hanks make bad moves? No. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Does well, Tom Hanks? No, no. I, you tell me one that you think is bad. And was it the first movie you ever way- seen with Tom Hanks big? That's the first movie you ever seen with him? And that was a good movie. It was dun, 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 dun. had everybody trying to get the, the life-size uh, piano. Yeah, look, I'm telling you, I don't have to particularly think it's great, but Tom well, Hanks. Listen, when Wilson floated away, I was heated. We were all was crying, but anyways, I'm saying Tom Hanks, <laughs> Tom Hanks does not make yes. bad movies. <laughs> Tom Hanks made millions of people emotionally connect with a volleyball. The end. Please get him. Please get him. We're all in the movie theater going, 
Oh man, he lost his buddy. Come on, get him. He lost his friend. He lost his buddy. I'm sorry, well, that, you should be sorry. That, you have one I'm saying thing to do. that is the one of the scenes where <laughs> you're watching it in, yes. in, in a movie yes. and you're going. I'm sorry, was and you feel how many, his how pain, many people, and you're like, that's a volleyball. And how you feel many people pain. go to the beach, make fire, and go, I have made fire. Like yes. everybody, like Tom Hanks is. Listen, he he. I mean, save a private Ryan. It just, I mean, what? That's what I'm saying. You can, We've named like ten of them. He's the voice of Woody at Toy Name a bad Tom Hanks. He movie. is the voice of Woody. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, again, hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, Facebook, YouTube. Give us a call. Name me a bad. Tom Hanks movie. I want to hear it. Because I, I, I'm thinking you're going to be hard-pressed to find. Even if you don't like it, it's pro- even like him or the character. Like and if, and if I see somebody say Forrest Gump, the, you are like, banned. Look, what's the movie where he's going around trying to find like the uh, the heritage of Jesus? He's a great in that movie. What is oh, that movie? Uh, what is the movie? Uh, uh, I forget what it's called. That was a good movie. I mean, and I'm forgetting the name of it because he's made 700 movies and they're all good. Tom Hanks that dude. I mean, he just... And Tom, and Tom Hanks. If you never, tell me Tom Hanks is in it, I'm going to go watch it, and it'll be good. Tom Hanks never had to do this either. Tom Hanks never had to get all <laughs> ripped up. He ain't never had to like, you know, he ain't had to be all ripped. He, no, I'm myself. Like, I'm myself all the time. Yeah. I, got, I got that. Listen, I got that subtle. But he knows how to dive into a character. Mr. Mr. Forrest Mr. Gump. Come catch, on, man. Mr. Catch me if you can. And D- they, uh, again, <laughs> n- nothing but bangers for 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 uh, for true. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is that dude. Like Sorry, he, that was a side discussion that we're now bringing to the radio show. But I'm telling you, no, he 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 because we were talking about this when Christian go in the hallway, and I said Tom Hanks doesn't make bad movies. And he goes, he kind of gave me the side eye. I said, Are you disagreeing? You talking about Inferno? Is that the one you talking about? He chasing up? Uh, no, he uh, got he got beautiful day in the neighborhood. He got the post. He got new. He got uh, News World. He got. A, I mean, he got. I, I'm. I'm. Tr- I, I'm trying to. He got Bridge of Spies. If I see it, if you say the name, I'll remember it. It's on all the time on the cable. Oh my channels. god, he got. He got Sully. When he, <laughs> he I mean, he, Sully, he, had a, Sully he had. A, he had to land the plane. Remember the guy that had to land the plane? Yeah. Hey man, he got. He got. I mean. Oh I'm, my I'm, goodness. I'm, uh, it's, it's not sinners over saints. It's something like that. But it's the first one in that. Uh, and why I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's amazing. Parkland, like he got Parkland. He's like running all over. Oh, you talking about the Da Vinci Code? The Da Vinci Code. Yes, Thank you. yes. Thank yes. you very much. I mean, Castaway is just, I'm just saying. Tony. Man. I, cor- I was thinking about Angels and Demons. He, that's, I the, mean, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the, the listen, second movie. The fact, the fact that you would, the <laughs> fact that The Terminal was such a beautiful movie. It was. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, Tom Hanks. Whoever got something bad to say about me, you come holler at Kevin Thomas. Because <laughs> Tom Hanks is that dude. No, he is. I mean, I know that our Christian Gokel is going to tell us some bad Tom Hanks movies, but you're going to have to dig deep to find a bad Tom Hanks movie because he, he, he just don't do it. I mean, uh, oh, my God. One of the best Tom Hanks movies? The Green Mile. Just deal with it. John Coffey. I mean, The Green the, Mile the was The Green a, Mile is like, and again, that's like 27th on the list. Road, you just, road, road to perdition. I mean... Bro, I mean, are you kidding me right now? Like, uh, Road to Permission. Like, I love gangster cars. movies. Cars. <laughs> I mean, hey, man. Tom Hanks, look. Oh, 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 oh. A league of their own. Come on, man. Ben. Baseball? Ben. That, again, baseball? Ben, we've named, like, honestly, we've named 20 movies, and you got, to a, league, Hanks, man, and uh, you got to a league of their own. And that's that's one of the best. Has he got, has he got, has he got a lifetime achievement award yet? It's not happening for him yet because he I'm got some saying, bangers. If you're telling me that Tom Hanks has to like get into character and play 
a role. And I'm not talking about like, you know, where you, you see guys that are like, hey, I'm going to play a version of myself. But like he has to get into like the Forrest Gump, the, the all that. Like he, no question, home run, going to be a smash hit. And I don't care what anybody says. We were going to talk about something else, but I, I got to take a break. <laughs> I will not stand for this Tom Hanks uh, critiquing from Christian Gertel. We won't stand for no Tom foolery. All right. Hit me up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Come on. YouTube. Give me a bad Tom Hanks move. This has got me fired up. And I want a reason why you think it's bad. And don't be like, oh, he's so t-. No. Why is the movie bad? Probably, probably not because Tom's in it. Come on. Co-stars all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's over there going, how many of y'all do I have to carry in this thing? The end. We'll come back. Three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. So we pull Christian Gokel in in the break. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay on this. <laughs> Listen. Come on. He comes out and says, all I'm saying is that he makes bad movies like everybody else does. I said, okay, hit me with one. And he goes, what about this one from 1984 or whatever it was? He's like, Tom Hanks has made 93 movies. You know there's a bad one there. He's like, I'll, I'll be honest, haven't seen it, so I can't claim it to be a bad movie. All I'm saying is, you show me a movie that Tom Hanks has been in, it's probably good. I mean, Turner turn and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. Not an A-plus list movie. It's a good movie. It's Great very movie. good. Great movie. No, Tom, no Tom, Tom Hanks is serious. Like, if like if you're sitting there in the actor's studio. I will studio, let it go, I promise. No, you're sitting there in the actor's studio, you're talking to Tom Hanks, and you're saying, Man, look, you took you, your, you, your handprint had blood on it. You stuck it on a, you stuck it on a volleyball, cut the top of it out, called it Wilson, and we and he became real. Literally. Or, you know, Toy Story, Woody. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. Like, that's iconic. That's you don't believe me? Why did you ever watch Shrek? It wasn't for Shrek. It was for Donkey. <laughs> we're freaking uh, we're freaking uh, uh Eddie Murphy. I'm serious. Turn people's voices. And then you want the dramatic? Favorite Private Ryan. Right? You want, I mean, look, you want, I mean. The man has range. Listen, listen, Tom Cruise, he might have the looks. Okay. Tom Hanks got, Tom Hanks got, listen, I got the pedigree. What you want to do? (laughs) I'll go go all the way back to the 80s, baby. I've been doing, I mean, I'm saying, Tom Hanks, whatever you want to do, go out there and get it done. The man has range, and he never had to get ripped up like Brad Pitt and Troy to do it. I'm going to be me. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. He chased Leonardo DiCaprio for a whole movie and hired him at the end. <laughs> that is the movie, people. I'm serious. Like, I'm the captain. The Captain Phillips was another beautiful movie. Again, we're like, here's the problem. We're like 30 deep on the Tom Hanks playlist. Christian Gokel is hitting me with something from 1986. No, no, at the end of the day, if, if Tom Hanks was a, was a singer, his greatest hits, he got about seven, eight albums of just great hits. Just boop, just Hit after hit after hit after hit. I'm not going to stand uh, for the Elvis <laughs> slander. I remember for the Tom Hanks slander. Yeah, somebody just texted me and said he's also in the new Elvis movie. Looks good. He was also in that thing you I, do. Yeah, <laughs> that thing you do. There you go again. That's all I'm saying. There are certain guys and gals, but Tom Hanks, to me, doesn't make a bad movie. I'll watch most of his movies over and over and over again. It's all good. I'll move on. I'll move on. I'm going to let it go. Got my blood Who's pressure better, up a little. Tom Brady, Tom Cruise, or Tom Hanks? Deal with it. I will say this. Tom Cruise is another one, though. I would say I would lead slightly, slightly toward the Hanks and not Cruise. But Tom Cruise, even some movies that weren't great cinematic releases. What is it? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow? Not a great cinematic release. Good movie. You know what I'm talking about? Edge of Tomorrow, where he keeps yeah. dying over. Good yeah. movie. Good movie. Sorry. 
Minority Report, good movie. Uh, what is the uh, War of the Worlds? Yep. Good movies. I will say Tom Hanks, so a little more my taste, just slapping out hits after hit. I mean, I would love to see, I would love to know what movies Tom Hanks Tom turned down. Because a lot of times the A-listers, they get a bunch of them. I turned down once that would have been even better if he if he'd have been in it. Anyways, moving on. Speaking of royalty, Ben, what's it like you think being Arch Manning right now? Arch Manning is making the rounds. Arch is college football royalty. He is. Well, he's not yet. No, yeah, he, he, he's, he's not he's yet. He's a part of the royal family. But he, the, Eli and Peyton are his uncles. Archie is his granddad. Cooper, who had a neck injury, probably would have played in the pros, is his dad. And he's the number one quarterback in the country. His name is Arch. Ouch. Named, named, after, <laughs> named after granddad. After, yeah. He's the number one crew. He's out there, you know, walking around Athens. Yep. All the dog fans going, we want Arch. Yep. Texas wants him really bad. Yep. Obviously, you got legacy at Ole Miss, and you got Tennessee. What must it be like, Ben Troop, to be Arch Manning right now in the age of NIL? My last name is Manning, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going around hitting all the big timers who want me to play quarterback. I'm just going to say this. Back in 2002, I was blessed enough to be able to go out there and catch a game with a touchdown pass against say one who Thomas Davis. I tried to reach out to Thomas Davis since then to have him on the show. Thomas Davis told me, quote, he said me. He told me, "Quote: I got practice, dog." Thomas Davis was Thomas Davis was in Athens over the weekend to be there for his quote friend Arch Manning. I know a lot of things. Did, did he know Arch Manning growing up? Maybe Arch Manning get legends like Thomas Davis to help him go around campus. I mean, hey, Kevin, it's good. It's great to be a man. His name is Arch. First name Arch, last name Manning. Five stars in front of his name. Bank account about to be loaded. <laughs> no matter where he goes. Because now, Georgia got the prestige. Texas got the cheese. We will see who wins. Because yeah. he could do what old boy did that, uh, that, I went, that, that I went to Ohio State. I could take the cheese. and I mean, Just I dip anyway? I always wanted to be a dog. Well, I mean, we got about a minute, Ben. Where where do you think he goes? Because, again, people are like, hey, where do you think he goes? Like, he's not going. Well, I can't say, he don't want to go to Ole Miss. His, will, his uncle and granddad have their names yeah. Up in the up on yeah. the ceiling, and Granddad's number is the speed limit. Yeah, you can't go there. I will say this: If Texas does the unthinkable this year, wins the Big Twelve, finds that way into the college football playoff, I think it goes to Texas. Well, wow! Now, listen, you just got the gears spinning. So, twenty twenty three, if he were to go to Texas, oh, just hear me out. The Mannings have a plan. You want to write legacy? What if we get close to the end of these media deals and conference deals and Texas and Oklahoma say we'd like to go a year early? You are now a Manning at Texas in the SEC. And the Red River. I mean, I mean I'm just listen, saying. I'm just and, saying and, listen, like, and for one year, the Red River rivalry just happens to be played in Atlanta. How much, <laughs> I mean, how much NIL is that guy going to get lined up for? Because... I'd like to do that. And it's going to be something and, and Hello! Give me that <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll come back. Take three around the corner. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be back here with you on Three and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. I feel like Tom Hanks should be co-hosting with us by now, Ben. As much as we've talked about him today on the show. Doesn't make bad movies. He don't. Sorry. Let me, t- let me tell you something. If I made 93 movies and I got the squinch, I got to go way yeah. back to the 80s. Like, he was trying to say one, hey, what about this? Was it a good movie? I was like, I haven't seen it. Oh, so I was like, well, because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it's bad. 
I mean, right? yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I, I haven't I mean, seen, I haven't seen I Harry mean, Potter. I mean, a lot of people love those things. I mean, I mean, Ben Stiller, uh, uh, Will Ferrell, great actors. They did Zoolander together, <laughs> right? That don't mean they ain't great actors though, <laughs> as far as what they do. And, I, and I, but to me though, that's how you know when you good though. When I got. <laughs> When I got to reach way man, yeah. like if like if the average person told Tom Hanks about the movie, he goes, "I did that, yeah, yeah." Oh, no, Tom Hanks is and, that dude. And even if you wanted to make a reach and say, "Hey, I'm just gonna name movies until I get to a bad one," for Tom Hanks, I mean, what out of ninety three, we're been. I, I mean, I, we're at least rolling forty five, fifty deep before we get to a bad one. Kevin, I feel pretty confident about that. Kevin, anyway. that. No, Kevin, at the end of the day, Kevin, you've been doing radio a long time. I like somebody said, man. <laughs> when you first got ready, you said this. You're like, I said what? Yeah. Like, if you, pro- no, that probably was bad. But no, no, no. But at, but at the end of the day, no, here's the thought. But let's say this, though. Yeah. Uh, what about the people that, that's coming on radio on the left? Oh, that's right, because I'm still here. So you don't got to like it, <laughs> but I am still here. So there it is. And, and Tom yes. Hanks, ladies and gentlemen, is still here. That's right. Hey, 93 we, movies in. We have got, uh, we've got more to come. Maybe I should change a take three question to. Just see what your favorite one. We'll do a bonus take three right. at the end of this thing. It's three. It's three now. Let's take three on this Monday. All right, Ben. Take one. Apparently, Rob Walton. Yes, that Rob Walton. Mm-hmm. No, Rob Walton, he is one of the heirs to the Walmart fortune. Is going to have, it's not officially announced, they're going to do it later, but is going to have the winning bid to buy Cody Queen's Denver Broncos. Uh-oh. For the... What is there for the slash down price? Oh yeah, for the, for the markdown. <laughs> yeah, for the markdown price. You know what I'm saying? He knows about markdown. Yes, this uh, this uh, it comes with a little yellow smiley face next to it of four and a half billion dollars to get the Denver Broncos. Better question though, Ben: Will he be the last of individual team owners? Like we look at Jerry Jones, we look at Arthur Blank, but then you start looking around. Like Liberty Media owns the Braves. Yeah. There is a conglomeration of people, Magic Johnson included, that owns the, the L.A. Dodgers. Yes. Like, people say, oh, Magic owns the Dodgers. Well, he does, and he doesn't. Like, he is one of many yeah, people that... Yeah, he to the meetings. That, yeah, yeah he, he's one of many people that own it. Is this dude one of the last of the individual team owners that we will see? Uh, and when we get more, like, faceless conglomerate... Because, dude, yeah, four, I mean, four and yeah, a half yeah. billion is a lot as of far, scratch as, as, to come as far, up with. As far as, like, as far as, like, noticeable billionaires... I would go yes. Because this is the thing. I mean I mean Elon Musk, but does he want to buy a sports team? I mean, I don't know. He, he could. wanna buy one a day and then he'll wake up tomorrow <laughs> and wanna to do one. Uh well Kevin, think about this. I mean, I it might LeBron okay, LeBron is a billionaire, right? Everybody always say LeBron gonna have ties and probably like end up owning the Cleveland Cavs. But the going rate because yep. of LeBron, LeBron, you are a billionaire, singular. Yeah. It's gonna take some plural billions to do it. Now I would, I would, I would say, I would say, probably it's probably going to be like. Here's the thing, Kevin. I mean, at the Denver Broncos, great franchise, great history. You know, yeah. John Elway. You know, what I'm saying Mike Shanahan. You know, Terrell Davis, so on and so forth. They went for four point five. Yeah. So what will happen is right. What, what, I think, what, what, I think, <laughs> I think the Clippers went for three million. No, I think they were two billion. Two, billion. Yeah, two billion. Two so, billion. Yeah. This is the thing, right? So, the Denver Broncos is up for sale. Boom. If a known franchise, just say, just out of Jerry Jones no longer wants Dallas Cowboys, could he get $10 billion for him? Probably. 
And that's how many of, dudes are walking around that no, can scratch ten well, billion well, well, together. Well, that's the thing, right? That's the thing, right? To okay. make that purchase. That's the thing, Kevin. All right, you know. And I get it. Don't tell me, oh, well, they don't actually no, pay ten billion dollars. No, I get that part, but like. You have to at least have the backing to say, the if the bill comes due all at once, I could get this thing yeah, covered. Thing. Like, you know, Rob Walton walked, walked into his bank. <laughs> yeah, I said, I think said, I'll hey, buy the Broncos no, today. Oh, he goes, hey, I want to get the Broncos. They're like this. Well, sir, I got it. We got to go through the price. They look it up. <laughs> he so, put a bid in. You got, you, a got, bid, you, know, so you got 59 billion. So with this 4.5, you're going to go down to a whopping. But it won't really because the franchise value. Yeah, so his yeah, net yeah. worth will stay I, about I just, the same. I just, so I just think. I just think. For I just think. You know, you talk about people talk about money, right? People talk about money. If you Rob Walton, the son of Sam Walton, and I think it's I think his brothers and sisters they got they all I, get I think, a cut of that. Like, yeah. I think it's like three of them, and all and all three of them are like top ten and like oh yeah career earnings or whatever. Rob Paulo was like, look, I guarantee you this happened. It went to the sister. I don't know about no football. Cool. He went to his brothers. Hey, I don't want to hear no funny stuff. I'm getting the Broncos. No. Kevin, <coughs> Kevin for me, I think what makes it so crazy is we say $4.5 billion. Yeah. And we be like, listen. I can't scrape together $4.5. You can you can buy you can buy a couple of countries for $4.5 billion and have some bunch of change left. No. Hey, listen, shout out to Rob Walton. I, I think, but it's the thing too. The fact that uh, pro franchises, they don't come up for sale very often. Right. I can tell you who probably finna come up for sale. They probably gonna force them out. That'll be one Dan Snyder. Now, you don't got to like it. If the Washington Commanders come up for sale, that is going to cost a grip. And you start saying, listen, it ain't no, yeah, we yeah we know a couple we know of a couple of billionaires and we we don't got no billionaire friends like man you gonna get to watch the commanders or not? I think this might be the yeah, last buy, one. Yeah, I'm saying, but like by themselves, yeah, hey, I, I'm I, the think, sole I owner. I, I stop and ends with me. Gonna, I think it's gonna be the last one because I think what happens is Kevin, you got to have, I mean, disposable income is one thing, right? But, but like Jesus. four and a half billion to Rob Walton is like okay if not that he's I mean, he's gonna make money, but like. A lot of people don't say, hey, if I have four and a half billion, that might be the entirety of my estate. That's like 10%, right? Or 10% of, of Rob Walton's estate. He's good for it. I, I, look, I just wonder when you're seeing more and more guys put in bids to own franchises, it's usually, hey, we got five or six multi hundred millionaires together to pool some money to try to put a bid in on this thing. And we know we'll all get our money out. Right, I mean, because that's the nature of sports franchises, either through profit, through ticket sales, through what have you. We're going to get our money back out, despite what MLB owners say, NHL owners. What it is profitable to run a pro sports franchise. Yes. It, it is. You are going to get your money back. But for one dude to walk in and say, "Yeah, I'm going to drop four and a half billion," and somebody says, "Well, we're going to need five. Okay, fine, five. Oh, no, no, you know okay. what I mean? So it's like he, like he, he can. Now, I just on, don't think on. you're going to have that I money. I always try to do this real quick before we go to take. You are Kevin. You are you know ran into a whole bunch of oil. You are you know you are uh, what what's the people that used to uh, the Beverly Hillbillies? What's the name? Yeah. They had the song. They, yeah, the Beverly Hillbillies. Be, you you came into fifty billion. Some Texas tea. This the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you came into fifty billion, which means you got you want something that's yours, like to be like, hey man, this is like every every billionaire's got to have something to show off. Ain't talking about house or real yeah. estate. Do is that you, his do, fifty billion? Or do, is that Dad's fifty yeah. billion? When when you know he's like, Dad's hey, probably saying you're welcome. I'm, I'm real, y'all. I'm out of I'm out of the Walmart you, game and the buy, Sam's Club game. Do you, you buy? Do you buy a 
pro franchise because you was like, this is it. This is the one. Mr. I would because, it, I, again, I, I'm not going to lie. If I had $50 billion, I would want to own the Atlanta Braves. Why? Talk because, about because, it. Because I'm just saying. But I also know <laughs> if I did that, I would make my I would make money, yeah. right? You know, so I'm like, I could would you, do, but could you could you really like would you would oh, you uh, would for, you be hey Fred, look at look at me, fifty billion dollars or five if I bought the, the Braves for four billion dollars, that is you know what kind of money. So you could call me the worst owner of sports. I do not care. I will you be the worst owner of sports. I say, excuse me, a couple hundred mil. I'm sleeping on as a pillow. Get out of here. No, no it would be it would be well, fun to that, do that. that would be, I mean, you would be like like as Kevin said, like, hurry, come on, man, let's let, let's cut this ribbon. Because <laughs> this, this, let's get right. When does that first check hit the bank? <laughs> I want to start making uh, making that money back. All right, moving along. Take two. Then from a lighthearted subject, more serious. A 24th woman has filed a complaint against Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. uh, during a alleged uh, massage session. Do you think? This is Ben Troop. Ben is not a lawyer. I was so. Do you think he actually plays this year? I just want to make that clear. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's looking really it's looking really really dim. And what what makes it so dim is uh, the delay. Is look, and uh, when it comes to these young ladies, we hope that everything like works out in their favor as far as like, the legal process. But as far as like Deshaun Watson, it's the delayed response by the league. All we've seen from Deshaun Watson is he didn't. He got, you know, he found he found out guilty from all the claims, and then he signed a two hundred and thirty million dollar, you know, extension to go to become a Cleveland Brown. Kevin, because it's all about image, because it's all about reputation, because it's all about you know catering to you know uh, all fan bases, women in particular. I just what if it was eight games? I think it'll probably go to ten. And the Cleveland Browns just won't play him for the last seven. Because it's almost like this, Kevin. Everything gets its But as people have said, again, I, again, innocent until proven guilty, got yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, but but the point is, yeah. it's not like it's two women. Well, oh, yeah. It's not three. Yeah. It's twenty-four. Well, it, listen, so I mean I'm not it's, saying it's, he's it's, guilty, like, but... it's like it's like this. And I'm not I, I I'm I am not comparing the two. I'm just giving an analogy. Marcelo's zone in twenty twenty one. It's well documented what him and his wife went through. I sure. am not condoning it. But, Kevin, you know. Think about two reasons. One, man, what does it make us look like as a franchise if we bring him back? And there were a lot of people who did not want Marcel playing yeah, for the Braves and number, two, and number two, more importantly, we on a World Series run. The last thing we need is that. So, I I, I just – it's look, I will say this. Deshaun Watson and and and, and him with, with the young – it's such a you, – you, you never heard of anything like this. So I think, and I think the thing about the league, Kevin, popularity is, I mean, look at how many games overseas they're doing. Now, it used to be one, two, not three and four. I think with, with Deshaun Watson, because let's face it, once he comes back, he is one of the faces of the league. I think right now they're putting together a PR strategy for, for Deshaun to say, all right, and Kevin, you know, when Roger Goodell, because Roger Goodell is going to announce this one. It ain't going to just be Adam Schefter. It's going to be Roger Goodell going out saying, had a talk with Deshaun and his representatives. He understands. It's like, sorry, man. Deshaun is one of the key components. 230 mil? Think about this. To put that in perspective, two years ago, Deshaun Watson signed the second largest uh, deal in NFL history behind who? Patrick Mahomes. He gets suspended for a year. Or I... And come back and sign a two hundred and thirty. So I, I think right now they will still be number two right behind Patrick Mahomes. But 
Yeah, Kevin, I don't I don't see him playing this year. I, it sends off the wrong cause, and and I know this sounds bad to the, to the listen, but it sends out the wrong message. It sends out, and listen, innocent until proven guilty is you know is the protocol when it comes to, but he's also a public figure. He's also a celebrity. He's also, so the 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 uh, the uh, court of public opinion. It's what's not going to be on uh, Deshaun Watson's side. I just don't see him playing the 20. Plus, uh, the Cleveland Browns had a set to where he was only going to make a million dollars in 2022. His money don't hit till 2023. But he, but for Deshaun Watson's sake, uh, for people thinking 230 million fully guaranteed, that's predicated on you are on the field. Yeah. So if he ain't on the field in 2023, now we talking. Now we talking something totally yeah. different. Yeah. And be interesting to see how that plays out quickly. Ben, uh, take three, uh, Georgia. We've been seeing this a uh, lot of kids hitting the uh, the, the twitters. Uh, over the weekend, big recruiting weekend for Georgia, been handing out those all-white unis uh, to the recruits to pose them. By all, I mean the white pants, white jerseys, and a white helmet. A lot of recruits been putting out there. A lot of people saying, Georgia going to wear those things? Do you think Georgia would actually wear an all-white head-to-toe uniform now that we've seen recruits sitting in them on the visits? Yes, because the, for two reasons, right? It's not about listen, it's not about catering to your fan base. It's about catering to your demographic. Who is your demographic? That would be the players. You're gonna have to and number two, Kevin, they've already won a natty. So all that, oh, we can't wear that. No, 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 no. Kirby got a lot more say so now because he, whew, he finally got over the hump with uh, you know, winning the natty. Plus two, Kevin. I mean, look, the University of Florida did gator jerseys. Literally. Gator. Did I do I want one? Yes, hang up. But I just think that Kevin, it's all about the seventeen to twenty. The one, listen, what uh, as they say, I know what, what I know how my bread is buttered. Or however they say it, hey man, you better you better go out there and do because that could be the difference in getting recruits or not. I mean, I've never seen more defensive tackles want to wear single digit numbers in my life. I want two, I want three, I want four. You telling me so? Listen, I think at one point Georgia did wear white britches. It ain't always been the silver britches for all of you out there. Now they made the silver britches, uh, you know, these you know, between the hedges and the silver britches, I get it. But if you wear all white with an all white helmet, if you get the brakes beat off you, you ain't gonna never see that again, which probably ain't gonna happen. Probably gonna beat the brakes off whomever it is, probably gonna be against Vanderbilt or somebody. But uh yeah, I can see it happening, Kevin. Like I said, I know we've grown up with the tradition field stuff, but hey man, Georgia be wearing the black jerseys, uh they, they had the black jersey this year with like the chains around it. So it happens, man. Yeah, get get used to it, Georgia fans. I'm sorry. I, the Silver Bridge is going to be there, but I think that all white what, is probably going to make an appearance. No, I mean, I, well, I mean, no. In this look, there is no silver pants. It would, as, as you said, oh, be 100. percent Yeah, be uh, white britches. From, coming from it'd be white from head to toe. That was they never got to wear all orange. I am jealous of the all orange. But but Billy Napier said not to make this a Florida segment. <laughs> the uh, Florida's going to you hijacked gonna, it again, no, no, Ben. He said Come Florida. On. He said Florida's going to wear black jerseys. People. Please, please don't play with my emotions. I will let it. See, you, you want. Uh, we're going to continue this. That's take three. We do it every day at this time. I want to continue this, uh, this uniform talk because, you know, Georgia's one of those programs. Hey, big on tradition. I mean, it'll look weird. They have thrown out some looks that I wasn't even a fan of. Uh, looking at and now, how much do you want to stick with tradition versus what's new? We'll get to that coming up next. It's three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Ben, we talk about the uniforms. We'll chat with uh, Fred Owens. Uh, this has not, that's not uniform related. <laughs> Fred Owens will talk Braves baseball with us coming up in about 10 minutes. But Georgia, with the all white uniforms there, they're letting the recruits try on and put it out there. 
most of the time, as you said, Ben, you don't just hand those out. It's like this is not recruiting trick-or-treat, right? Like they don't hand those out and go, hey, don't these look nice? Yeah, we're never going to wear these. These are just promotional items uh, that we're just going to. So how do you think it ends up there with with Georgia? And are there programs where tradition should win out? And it's like, look, every I mean, almost everybody has changed uniforms in a significant way, one way or another. I'm trying to think of a few that have like I don't think Alabama has. No. Nope. I'm trying to think if Southern Cal has. No. Nope. I mean, but even Michigan and Ohio State and Notre Dame have worn some different stuff. Georgia wearing the black helmets. Disaster. I didn't like it. Black jerseys, Georgia. So I mean, if you say, hey, I like the red, but it looks like I would imagine they're going to go with an all-white look at some point, especially if you end up with an Arch Manning and you got him parading around in an all-white uniform. Like, th- that's going to happen. Kevin, look, I mean, we white helmets. Kevin, look, we, you know we're doing it right. You know what we're doing right now, right? Somewhere, you know, Daddy Thomas, Daddy Troop, they're saying, "I told you, they us." See, we at one point were saying, "Oh man, tradition, this tradition that do something new." Now, man, look at them. They want to go all white, white helmets, white jerseys, white pants. What are they gonna do next? Go to white cleats, huh? Get away from the black cleats. I will say this: this is what's gonna happen, though. Times when people say times are changing, no times have changed. You just don't realize it. You notice, right? The all whites and all this didn't come out to Arch Manning on campus. They had to do something to wow him, right? They had to, you know, hey, Arch Manning's on campus, man. So let's put him on with the all white. If you are a Georgia fan, you are thinking, no, where the Silver Bridge is at? The Silver Bridge is still there, but we some teams are tradition rich. I mean. That the the the, the Tennessee fall orange, right? But then they got they gray, the, them gray all because the alternates used to be like the gray with whatever your the team color is. That'd be the color. That'd be the 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 number be be the color of whatever your team color is. Now, I mean, Kevin, I don't know, but like like Mississippi State, right? Mississippi State got that let that brownish looking. That brownish looking white. Texas and Mississippi State have very similar numbers, but then Mississippi State to come out with them all browns and the numbers be gold. I think yeah. Kevin, I think Kevin, this is what this is thinking. When I there is there is no greater tradition in football as far as plain Jane jerseys than the all white Penn States. They are about as plain Jane as it gets. Right? I just think that now, Kevin, what, what teams are doing is saying, look, we gotta embrace these things. What the what the color combination is gonna be is is gonna be crazy, I think. Like what you know, I used to say that every team should have a black jersey. The only reason I said it because I want Florida to get one. They probably they still ain't got one. You talking about Georgia, Kevin's gonna be different watching the, you know the, the red. You know you got the red with the silver bridges. You got the white with the silver bridges. Now you finna have straight white. This is the funny thing too with a white helmet. With a white helmet, like, listen, and people get yeah, they get all in the like, feelings about like that stuff. You get used to seeing that red helmet with the black G on it, right? That's that's noticed all over. This what this what Georgia fans are saying. Why you got to go all white? Why you got to mess with the helmet? Why you got to so. I think that while I love tradition, and you just fall in love with it, like you just fall in love with the tradition jerseys. Kevin, we talk about we talk about a Georgia Tech team, right? <laughs> Georgia Tech used to be, hey man, either 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 white either white jersey with the gold pants, gold jersey with the white pants, then they come with the all blue, right? And people say, but this is the thing, they won't just do the all blue. It'd be all blue helmet, jersey, cleats. And I think that's the thing. It's almost like people saying, dude, like, we go dramatic. Yeah, it's dramatic. It's not It's not subtle. 
I remember when Notre, don't Notre Dame got the alternate. Sometimes they wear that alternate green. They got that green, and fans lose their mind when they do that. Right, depending on if they win the game or not. So I just think that while I embrace the tradition of it, Kevin, we are in a world of sensationalized everything. How can we make the biggest wow? Did you see that? In a in a in a winning. Listen, winning games ain't enough. Winning national championships ain't enough. The brands ain't enough. It's almost like, you know, hey man, we got the self-driving car on this on this campus. What? Oh yeah, man, we don't even got steering wheels. No, I do think though, Kevin. Though this is the thing. Take a good look though when you see it. It ain't gonna be something that happen every year. So get your cameras ready yeah. when you do see it. But I, I just think that it's embracing the fact that I, I, you know when it comes to these young people. I'm old. I'm old school. I like the tradition. I like knowing. Hey, if I'm watching Auburn play, that's what I'm looking at. Look, I get everybody's got a a different one. Do you, but like, the just, Auburn, do you like the Auburn blue blue jersey or do you like the white? It's just a standard because Auburn. Wears I mean, all, all white. All white all does look pretty nice. It but does. Uh, but blue and the blue the white looks. I like Auburn's look. I think Alabama's got that classic look. Yep. I get why some programs. Have to do it, uh, you know. Hey, you're not necessarily steeped in it, but there is a certain like Texas to me. That's a look. That that burn orange. You know what I'm nice. saying? But like that's. But, but if I saw Texas walk out there with a burn orange helmet and a white Texas Longhorn on it, and I go something doesn't look right. Like why are you doing this? So there's just certain like I was like Michigan came back. Now again, Michigan came out under the guise of throwbacks, where they had like the M on the chest and it looking like you know 1930s. I get that. But I, I've yet to see Michigan come out and say, hey, we're going to wear maize tops with blue pants, and we're just going to mix it up and go back. Yeah. Like, no, don't do it. Keep it simple. No, I can deal more with the throwback if you could show me, hey, this was something we wore a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. We're going to bring it back versus, hey, we're just and – and I no disrespect. I don't, versus, hey, we're Florida. We're going to wear black jerseys. Why? Yeah. Why? You're right. You don't, you don't, you don't, like, listen, you, you, you don't appreciate – it's almost like this. I'm a, I like the tradition of it. It's, it's the it's the identifiers. It's almost yeah. like you start saying, "Hey man, who has who has the best who has the best color on color jersey? Probably North Carolina. The, the, just the baby blue top and bottom. Yes. They, they but 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 they also got a color. Oh, that's that's people call it Carolina blue across the nation. That's Carolina blue. Right. right? The burnt orange Texas with the white helmet. The burnt orange with the, that that that's just what they do. But like you said, if Texas comes out and they got a black helmet. With the burnt orange, <laughs> people gonna be like, like, or, like, like hey, go, what like, is this? Like, like LSU, I saw him LSU standard white jersey with the gold pants. Fine with that. Now, when they try to do the, hey man, we are gonna do that dark, that 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 gold gold. The people yeah, say the gold helmets that look yeah, weird. Is that yeah. LSU or is that U Dub? So yeah, I, 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 I do think that tradition you don't appreciate until people try to start getting away from. Start it. changing stuff. I think the the all white Georgia would look interesting, but again, I, I'm like, I I wouldn't do it too much. Don't do it too much. Oh yeah, yeah. Then you get into Oregon territory. It's, it's like every be, week, it doesn't even look the same. It's, it's gonna just, be like Alabama coming to play at Georgia. You'll see it every ten years, and then after that, <laughs> yeah, and it ain't happening. We'll no come more. back. Hey, we're gonna switch gears. We're talking to Braves baseball. Fred Owens gonna join us from Tomahawk Take next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop here on 3 and Out. Braves, dare I call it a winning streak. They swept the uh, the Rockies, uh, got the last one against Arizona, won five in a row. And joining us here from Tomahawk Take, talks to Braves baseball with us. Uh, Fred Owens joins us. Fred, welcome. How are you? I'm I'm really well. I'm trying to stay cool out here in Texas, but I'm I'm doing pretty well. How's everybody back east? Hey, we are doing fantastic. Finally saw it took us almost half a season, but got got that winning streak going. It's 
Is this a sign of good things to come, that they were able to string together four or five days of good baseball in a row, that they've now won consistently uh, the last couple of nights in extra innings and seem to kind of be rounding into shape here? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, Snicker putting a size nine uh, Brogan up their tail after they played played so badly in Arizona. Since he did that, they've been uh, they've been on been a lot better team. Now, uh, they also they've got you know the Pirates and Oakland coming up, uh, the, the Marlins and the Cubs and the Nats. They should be able to string together a nice long run here. Uh, last time, curious fact, last time the Braves went into the first of June without a three-game winning streak was 2001, and they broke that one on June the 3rd, and they went on to win the National League East. So I'm hoping for a repeat this year. Fred, Michael Harris, and you look at what Ronald Acuna Jr. is bringing to this uh, to this Braves outfield. How how dangerous can this outfield get, especially with a guy like Michael Harris? And since he's been called up, he's making these sensational catches seeming like game in and game out. Yeah, uh, Harris and Acuna uh, in the outfield, nothing drops in center and right. And if you push uh, Duvall over to left, the outfield is really, really strong. Uh, somebody should burn Ozuna's glove uh, and never let him on, never let him in play left field again. I know that's not going to happen simply because if people are going to get injured and Ronald's going to need days off and things like that. But that outfield's pretty good. Um, if I could guarantee Duvall to keep hitting, I, I, I'd be up for that. But I, I think I think Ronald's coming back into it. He he had those little tweaks, um, and he was you know he started to go to those three singles in a row, and it just looked like he was looking for a stroke. And then then he got that one yesterday and he hit it 430 odd feet, and I think he's back. I don't think uh, I don't think pitchers are going to want to face him much anymore. And Dansby hitting second appears to be working this year. Um, Olson, despite, despite everybody's, oh, my God, he isn't Freddie, he's hitting as well as Freddie, and he's playing defense nearly as well. He's made a couple of mistakes, but then everybody does that. I, I just think the lineup's really good. I wish um, I wish Ozuna would hit, but I, I think the outfield with uh, Harris and, and Acuna and Duvall in it is really, really good. I, I'd like to get uh, Contreras a bat every day, but I don't think that's going to happen, so we'll live with it. Fred Owens joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Fred, you mentioned Michael Harris. He was a, a young man that a lot of people raved about. Hey, maybe he needs another year. Hadn't played a lot above uh, A-ball prior to this year. And here he is. It's June, and he gets the uh, gets the call up. Is this a young man on, on – again, he's played a week. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But is he the type of prospect that now that he's here, he's probably not going back down, and they're going to let him figure it out where he's at? Well – you know, here's the thing. I believe that if if uh, Duvall had been hitting and everybody had been playing well, you wouldn't have seen Harris come up. The fact was that uh, Harris couldn't uh, Harris couldn't hit any worse than Duvall. Uh, Waters has been injured. Uh, he's not. He's still striking out like 30 percent of the time. So uh, bringing Harris up was more of let's put the guy in center field who's going to catch the ball and move the ball to left so he can catch the ball and then hope that, hope that between the two of them, one of them start, starts hitting again. Um, I don't know that he's, he's not going to do the Andrew Jones thing. I come up and be a superstar immediately, but he certainly has uh, the speed and the, the defensive, uh, the defensive chops to play that play center field. And, you know, it, it's, it would be nice if he'd hit 250 this year. I don't really expect that. But you know he could he could uh, fool me, but I just think he's going to need some time to get into this. He's still 
hitting only mistakes and he's missing some good pitches. And uh, I, I just think that learning at the major league level is the hardest thing in the world to do. Uh, and I just hope he comes up and he, he just does what, uh, what, you know, the older guys have been telling him to do. Just, just keep doing what you're doing and it'll come to you eventually and quit pressing uh, because the pressing, as we've seen with Duvall, just doesn't work. I mean, Fred, earlier you mentioned how Snit had to, you know, kind of like uh, get these guys going. You see what they was able to do, like, over the weekend with the Rockies. What is it going to take for them to keep this sustained success? I mean, and Kevin always talking about could they get three wins in a row, and obviously they got five in a row counting what they did uh, with Arizona. What is it going to take for them to have sustained success, especially with a very, very favorable schedule uh, these next couple of weeks? Well, they've got to continue to get on base. Look, this lineup has been – East and famine all year long. We our, our, our run differential didn't look too bad because we were having these blowout games, and then we'd lose a lot of one-run games. Uh, as long as the lineup is hitting, consistently getting on base, this team's going to score runs. That's what we did last year. The people got on base in front of the big guns, and they started they started to score more runs after we got the two guys in at, at the break. So the, that's the key to winning this is give the starting pitchers breathing room. Don't make them have to throw a perfect game or win by one run every time out because the pitching will come around. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of worried about the back of the bullpen a little bit. Kenley's been a little shaky. Uh, I wouldn't let Smith pitch after the sixth inning, seventh inning again. But uh, I, just, I just think that will come around too. But the, the biggest thing is we have to get Ozzy going. Ozzy's the heartbeat of this. He needs to be on base a lot because when he's – Hitting way down in the lineup, and he's not on base a lot. His speed is sort of, eh, nobody cares. Uh, I know Swanson's doing well in the second spot, but I'd like to see Ozzy on base a lot more uh, with Acuna and, and Olsen and Riley coming up. Um, and I think that that's, that's going to be the important thing is, is getting good pitches to hit and not swinging at all the chunks that they've been swinging at. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take joining us here on 3 and Out. Fred, you mentioned the pitching staff starting rotation-wise. Obviously, this is a Braves team that's looking post-All-Star break at a return potentially of Mike Soroka. But if you look at, at what they're running out there right now, uh, with Spencer Strider now in that five spot, does this have a chance maybe come mid-September, late September, to, to be one of the top two or three rotations in all of baseball if they can get it together? Well, as it stands right now, the uh, the problem is we've got uh, Strider in the fifth spot, and he's not going to do 150 innings down there. He's just not he's not stretched out for that. And then when you get beyond Strider for that, you have to be able to guarantee that Charlie's going to get in his group. Charlie Morton's going to get his group back. I I'm really sure about Max. I'm really sure about Anderson being who he is. Um, when you get past that. Uh, Morton's groove has been rough this year, and I'm not sure whether it's that landing leg or whether it's just him being a year older or it's the, the seams being a little bit different on the ball this year or what it is. But Charlie's not looked like Charlie. He knows it. He said it. Um, if he gets back on the shot, yeah, then we're probably at top five, uh, top five or six uh, rotation in the game. But I, again, Soroka coming back. We don't. We, you can't expect him to do more than three or four innings when he gets back. He's not going to be stretched out to do six and seven and eight innings like like we'd love him to do. And it, it's just going to be rough to have a team that's got Degrom and, and Scherzer coming back 
and who currently lead us by about eight games. Getting ahead of them and staying ahead of them is going to be hard, uh, and all those pitchers have to stay good and not have any bad games, and that's just that's going to be a law of tall order. And, Jeff, you just mentioned, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, eight, well, eight and a half back when, uh, of the Mets right now. Can't, do the Braves got to run in them to catch uh, these pesky Mets, even though everybody expects the Mets to met at a certain point this season? Can't, do, 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 the, do the Braves got staying power to actually run down the Mets this season? Well, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this is this, there's a really slow start. Every, nobody's hitting. Hitting's down around the league all the way around it. So I, I kind of think our hitting is going to come in to be league and above because our, our big guys are going to hit again. Uh, the defense the defense is settled up. We picked up with when Michael Harris came in and, and Dansby's splashing gold glove out there short. Riley's playing really well at, at third. Um, the catching combo is hitting as well as anybody. It's consistency here. The consistency is the thing, and we haven't been that so far. Can, if we're consistent, can we catch the Mets? Sure. If we're consistent, we can beat anybody in the league. The question is going to be, can we be that way? Can we avoid injuries? Can Soroka and Rosario coming back be the bump we need to push us there again? And we won't know that until July. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take, our guest here on 3 and Out. Fred, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Well, it's always my pleasure. You guys stay safe out there. Hey, we certainly will. Fred Owens, always a pleasure talking Braves baseball with him from Tomahawk Take and the Braves won five in a row, got it to eight and a half here in the East. And as we've talked about, just chip away, Ben, chip away, chip mm-hmm, away, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully post-All-Star break. I mean, again, this is All-Star breaks coming up in a little bit more than a month. To, to me, if you are sub-five, that's good. Sub-five games back. So you're talking about you need to make up three games. Right, and uh, I think from July through the end of the season, the Braves have like 15 games with the Mets. So you're going to get your opportunity to go head-to-head and try to really cut in that lead. But eight doesn't look good, but if, again, as we said what a couple weeks ago, if you can just make up a game a week, uh, you'll be in a position to be in, within striking distance there at the end uh, at the end of the season. I think uh, the one thing uh, the one thing you get about Fred, uh, you know, Kevin, everybody who like, uh, uh, you know, break down the Braves, they expect the Braves to go on the run. They expect the Braves to understand that, look, we know what this is going to take. I like this Fred come with the takes too, man. When he said, listen, yeah. just burn the Sooners glove, just burn it up so he can't <laughs> use it. I do, I do think that if Duvall was hitting on a more consistent level, it would be an easy. Listen, the DH have, have Marcel. The problem is it ain't even Marcel. It ain't even, it ain't even uh, Duvall. It's how do you, what, what, when are they going to have Acuna every day in the lineup? Because you're going to have that DH available for him if he's not uh, in the starting lineup. But, the Braves show show two things, Kevin, that you said. Finally got two wins in extras. Cause that stuff is on your mind until you do it. Mm-hmm. All right, man. We got to we got to get past this. And this is the thing about the Braves. They they are known for the dramatic, man. Braves scored eight runs and won eight to seven. It's like I just think that when the co- teams are always finding strides, the starting lineup ain't the same as as the, obviously the bullpen. I mean, I, I, you know, you, then you start talking about uh, you know uh, the, these batters. But I do think that at the end of the day. Braves got it done. They got to deal with the Oakland A's. They got to stick with these winning streaks. They got to win these series. They got to get these bats going. But Michael Harris, young man, keep doing what you're doing with that glove because I'm telling you, what you, what, why he is trying to get it together at the plate, which I do think is going to come around. Uh, I think that, Kevin, what he does defensively, I mean, as if, listen, if it gets hit the center or right, oh, oh, that's in the bag. Now, if you hit the left field, well, is Marcel out there? Well, just, you know, hope for the best. Hope he can track the ball 
and nothing crazy happens. But I like what the Braves did this weekend. Builds a lot of confidence. Because like you say, Kevin, if the Braves post-All-Star can be, you know, five back, four back, you know that's going to make the Mets go, there they go again, what? The Braves. Like, what? while we were asleep last night, they were driving through the night, and I saw him this morning, Acuna, you know, he was waving at me. So I, But I, it's gonna, it is going to be a race to the finish no matter what. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, I think the Braves got that stand power. Absolutely. We've got more to come. Here it is, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot to get to coming up in the final hour, including big news in the National Football League, also big news in the world of golf. We'll uh, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit, but let's go to the phones. Take your calls here on this Monday, 912-342-7184. Let's go to uh, AC. He wants to talk Jimbo Fisher. What's up, AC? Well, thank you so much for taking my call. I hope you guys had a nice and beautiful weekend. Let's talk about Jimbo Fisher, Jim Harbaugh, and Steve Sarkeesian in their respective Trust me when I say this, I'm going to give you the spoiler. These boys are not going to win a championship with their current team. Let's face it. If any one of those three teams that I mentioned, if those callers call in and react to me, give them a specifier or shut them off. That's the only way. Jimbo Fisher, you're not going to win a championship with Texas A&M unless you buy some crab legs. You know, you know what you did at Florida State. So that's not going to work because ACC, that's not ACC, buddy. It's SEC, Southeastern Conference. It's too much for you. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'll give you another spoiler before I hang up. Most likely, Alabama Crimson Tide, they're going to win a championship this year. Because Nick Saban is motivated by your special dogs, where, whatever they did back in January. Because come on now, everybody knows how Nick Saban rolls. Am I correct, boys? Hey, no. Hey, appreciate it. Hey, appreciate it. Yeah, we know how Nick Saban rolls. I don't think that's good. But to say Jimbo's not going to win one in the SEC, I don't know about that. I mean, was he not with Nick when they won one together at LSU? Uh, yes, he was. That's, so, how, that's how he got the head coaching job over there at uh, Florida. But well, no. he got the OC job OC at Florida job State, but then filled in. Yeah. Now, will he do Texas A&M like he did Florida State? AC, I will say no, and here's why. $70 million. He wasn't getting that kind of cheese from, from Florida State. I mean, like, where, where are you going to go to get that kind of money? I mean, it didn't, didn't get that money from Florida State, didn't call none of his players, and left his – Left the Christmas tree on the front lawn and said, "I am up out this piece." Shot everybody to the deuces when he went over yeah. to the private to the private. Hey, gym. where'd the coach go? I, that's a great question. We uh... hey, hey Jimbo, they say they say had on Florida State hat, threw it out the window. You see this? <laughs> Done, gone. Yeah, no, I th- I think Jimbo again. Once divisional play especially goes, I think he's got a better chance when you just go with the top two teams because you could potentially even lose to an Alabama say, and if you finish second, get a, get a second crack at him. Uh, play for that championship. We got more to come. Some big news in the NFL. Big news from the world of golf is where we're going to hit that in our number three. This is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We are streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Also live video streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube page, ESPN Coastal, there on YouTube. Give us a like and a subscription and a follow. Back hour number three. Good to have you back here. Final hour of three and out on this Monday. He has been Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. A lot to get to here uh, on the show. Has some big news from the National Football League. Big news from the world of golf. We'll uh, we'll get to as well. We've talked about you know Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. We got into a debate with Christian earlier. Mm-hmm. There are no bad Tom Hanks movies, and Christian kind of disagreed with that. So I threw it out there to you guys. Give me a bad Tom Hanks movie. And when I say bad, 
I don't mean one that you haven't seen. I will say of the ones that I've seen, they're all good. Right? They're all, as has been said, mostly bangers. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that movie's bad. Have you seen it? No. Have you seen it? No. Well, we haven't seen it. How do we know it's bad? It's Tom Hanks movie's probably pretty good. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And as you said, Christian went and said, hey, Tom Hanks has made 93 movies. All I'm saying is they're not all good. And he started with movie number 93. It was like, hey, this one was oh, not good. You dig that far back? Yeah. Because his, his gig was, hey, who's your favorite band? They have a whole litany of best ofs, and they got a bunch of songs that – that aren't good. I said, are they not good or are they just not radio hits? There's a lot of B-sides that I've listened to from my favorite artists that I think would be great radio hits, but they weren't. It's not because they're bad. It's because they weren't popular hits. A lot of b So I will argue Tom Hanks, no bad movies, nothing but hits. Tom and we have, yet to be, we have yet to hear anybody with a I legitimate mean, bad At Pigskin Radio, hit us up on YouTube, Facebook. You, you can't do it. I mean, uh, can't I, do mean it. I mean, no, Philadelphia. With uh, with uh, with uh, with uh, Denzel Washington. I mean, I mean, you're gonna hit. I'm telling you, if you go through the Tom Hanks catalog, you're gonna roll forty deep before you get to one that you can even question as being a bad movie. In my opinion, that's all I'm saying. Range. (laughs) Tom Hanks is one of those one of those people, Kevin, like you said, who just expect him to have just you just expect him to make good movies. Period. Captain Phillips just came out of nowhere. Incredible movie. Obviously, he said, I'm not going to do anything as good as Forrest. No Gump. Obviously, very, very long movie. Very, very good movie. I mean, if you think Forrest Gump is a bad movie, you shouldn't be allowed to watch movies. You just shouldn't be allowed to watch them. But I'm with you. Tom Hanks, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, catch me if you can. I mean, uh, what he got, what I think it's like Angels and Demons. He got, uh, it's just. It's the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code. I mean, I mean, A League of Their Own. I mean, just keep going. I, it just, I mean, uh, there isn't uh, one. Uh, oh, Save a Private Ryan, Turner and Hooch, Big, Big. Uh, I mean, it, and the thing is, like I said, I mean, they said, what could you do with a volleyball? Yeah. I can get the whole world to root for the volleyball. Get the whole world to do it. That's that's range, people. And like I said, when the volleyball floats away, you cry with me. I mean the man. The, the, listen, the man, the man, the man uh, pulled his own tooth with the with the with the ice skate. He was like, uh, boom, like, oh man. I mean, look, Tom Hanks, you the man. I and forgot then, about yeah, that. Yeah, and then, and then, listen, and then, <laughs> oh yeah, he, he said I with like a little self dentistry. And he was like, it's, uh, boom, and he was like this, hey man, I had to be my own dentist. I tell you, he got it out of there though. <laughs> Ugh, I forgot was, about that. that. that, that I forgot rough. about that. We got the uh, you juxtaposed that again. I, sorry, we're going down this rabbit hole. Uh-huh. You juxtaposed that with like a Sylvester Stallone because I told you guys that hey, I watched the the 2008 Rambo movie and like Sylvester Stallone said like ten sentences in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He said, "Hey, those are the River Pirates. Stay down, don't talk." He didn't say anything else the rest of the movie. Don't talk. He did, yeah. He, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, all he did was line up with bows and arrows. Like, first of all, where did he, he's got, like, ballistic bow and arrow. Like, where did he get that? He hits the 50 cal. He goes up, you know, the night mission to free the uh, the um, uh, the, missionaries. the missionaries from their cages and, you know, does his thing. Literally, I would the, the dialogue for Sly Stallone in that movie was, like, 10 sentences. I mean, and the fact— That's the fa- not the, great acting. He's just blowing stuff up. Yeah, and the fact that he's the one that's— 
part of writing the script saying, look, I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to have it. He just mean mugged the whole movie. And we're going to pay y'all to come over here to rescue him, and y'all going to listen to me. Yeah. Gonna, it's it's going to be my strategy. I mean, 90% of the movie was just Sylvester Stallone mean mugging the kid. And like, he was speaking the other languages in the other parts, like he was speaking to the that's, natives. That's true. That's true. Hey, man, at the, end, at the end of the day, he doesn't a, hold a candle to Tom. people stay in their lanes, and Sylvester Stallone said, if I didn't write it, I don't want to do it. What do you mean? Not doing it. He will not be confused with Tom Hanks. That's all I'm saying. Rocky, Rambo, that's 35 movies right there. That's, that's two different. I mean, and then he goes, <laughs> for, I mean, Michael B. Jordan jumped on the scene with what? Creed. I'm just saying. It just Tom, say the same thing. I mean, Ivan Drago, he's a, uni, <laughs> he's a universal soldier. No one cares. He's known for, you know, he's known for Rocky IV. I mean, I mean, Mr. T, I mean, Clubber Lang. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, 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 Carl Weathers. You know, Rocky yeah. One and Rocky Two. He played the three. No, he played the three three movies that I can remember. He played in uh, obviously played in Rambo. I mean, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. He played in uh, Rocky. He played in Predator. And uh, oh man, uh, what's the movie he had on the blue shirt? He had on the red shirt. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, uh, point being, no, no, we're not going to mistake those guys for Tom. No, no, for Tom Hanks. That's all I'm saying. And I, I I like those movies, but they don't. The the acting range. For Sylvester Stallone, it's not there. Carl Weather was also in uh, you, you made a uh, movie where you barely spoke. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, meanwhile, Tom's interacting with a volleyball. That's all I'm saying. In Rambo, Sylvester Stallone Action was the volleyball. Jackson, that's the name. Yeah. All right. That being said, we'll get, I'll stop with the Tom Hanks today. But since, if you know the, the uh, not the, a bad Tom Hanks movie, because there isn't one, let us know at Pixie Radio. All right. Breaking news out of the NFL, Aaron Donald just got broke off, uh, been in a big, big way. Two-year, $60 million extension for the defensive tackle. And you did correct me. I will say, I said, that is a lot of money for a defensive tackle. You said, you better watch yourself, Kevin. That is the best defensive player in the league. But $60 million over two years, Ben. I also would be at peace if I was Aaron Donald. For two years, $60 million. There are, seldom, there are seldom times in sports that you get to say that a team did right by a player. Obviously, Aaron Donald's going to be a lifer. He's going to be an L.A. Ram lifer. And uh, the thing about it is, Kevin, I think he's been in the league eight years. I think he's been a, a, a first-team All-Pro seven of those years. I think. The, uh, and I think the thing about him is he's the baddest man in, in football. He's the guy that said, look, man, I'm, I'm going to give you all I got. And he said, if I didn't get the if I didn't get the money that I was if they can't restructure a deal, I'm gone. I think it's 95 million over the extent of the of the of the life of the contract. He's got two years. He's gonna make 60 million dollars. He's gonna go out there and terrorize. They finna run it back, uh, you know, for one more year. I mean, they're already on cheat code with everything that they got, <laughs> uh, you know, out there. Uh, I mean, you know, Bobby Wagner from LA playing for the Rams. You still got a guy like Jalen Rams. Oh, you still got Cooper Cup, right? Uh, you still got, you know, Sony Michelle. You still got Matthew Stafford. And now you got Aaron Donald, 099. And, hey, congratulations to him. I mean, hashtag pay that man, hashtag, oh, he got paid. Hashtag uh, running back, hashtag, you know, I won. Give me my money, you what? I won. So I'm, I'm happy for Aaron Donald. I think when you think about a guy who – since he came into the league, has dominated. That is not something. That is not a word you're going to hear me say all the time. He is a beast. He is a gremlin. He is a creature. He is whatever you want. He is Freddy Krueger with 99 <laughs> on his chest and back, 
with Aaron Donald on his back. I mean, with Donald on his back. Shout out to Aaron Donald. Two years. While people crying about two years, 60 million. Give me my cheese. If you are in the, uh, what is that? That vaunted uh, NFC West, you got to deal with him again. And if you are the Rams, you are loving that he is back. Pay me my cheek. Wow. That's, hey, man. Shout <laughs> to Sean McVay, man. Sean McVay, a.k.a. We don't believe in, we don't care about the draft. We care about veterans. And we, Bobby Wagner, he got added this offseason. I mean, you're talking about, so it's going to be Bobby Wagner, you, you, Ernest Jones. Oh, yeah. You talk about positional value, and again, this is when you talk about the kind of money he is getting, and I believe this is on a per-year basis, but he is the highest-paid non-quarterback in the history of the whole league. That's what he should be. As a defensive tackle. I mean, and again, he's not a left tackle. Nope. He's not a defensive end. I know he gets back there and can rush the quarterback. But he is not one of those, at one of those positions of extreme need where you say, we're going to overpay. And I know you think they probably didn't overpay at, at 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 thirty million over two to give you sixty million. Defensive tackle, highest paid non quarterback ever in history of the league. The last play that's the, incredible to me. The last play of the NFC Championship game, Jim Jim Garoppolo almost got sacked by who? Aaron Donald. Right. Aaron Donald's having a subpar game in the Super Bowl. He, I mean, he hits Joe Burrow kind of like before he round the bounds. And the offensive line, the non-blocking offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals started pushing and shoving with 99. I said, now you just woke him up. The last two plays of the Super Bowl went like this. It is third and one, not two, third and one. The guard, who weighs 300-something pounds, is on Aaron Donald's left arm, and he's holding him. The 240-pound back, he grabs him at Right there at the line of scrimmage, and it pushes him back. So I got a grown man on this arm. I got a grown man on that arm. It is fourth down. Fourth down, what happened? He almost sacked Joe Burrow. I'm telling you, there are certain guys that just built for the moment. They built for the lights. I think Aaron Donald is both. Never seen nothing like him. And I played in the time of Warren Sapp and Richard Seymour, you know, uh, and, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, John Henderson and, uh, you know, uh, Albert Hainsworth. So I've seen some of them do it. None of those boys had 20 sacks in the season. 20. Aaron Donald did. I think he's back-to-back uh, defensive player of the year. Now he's back-to-back cheese. Give me my money. You know, uh, I'm trying to tell you, Donald Banking Trust is open for business. Get that man his money. Congratulations to him. Sometimes they're just doing right by him. I'm happy for him. Hey, highest, again, highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history, Aaron Donald, defensive tackle, Rams, and as Ben said, Cheat code, like doing things like that. You don't, you you don't don't see guys do. Nope. You put one three hundred pound guy in front of me, and I, I'll even give myself a say. I weigh three hundred pounds, and I can try to find. I can do that with one guy, maybe a second guy, a second guy. And as you said, I'm out there making one arm tackles in the Super Bowl to keep the game in check. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And again, getting paid in a big way, as Ben likes to say. Can you just let us hold a little bit of that for a, for a hot minute? Okay, let us hold some. Yeah, for a hot minute, and I think we'll be all right. Ben and I also will be at peace at that, mo- at that, oh, yeah, yeah, at that moment with your decision. So, that being said, hey, we got more to get to. Big news coming out of the world of golf. We'll get to that when we return. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. Ben Always good to keep me up on the latest. Apparently, there was a lady playing the national anthem on a saw. 
Sounds good, right? At the uh, <laughs> at the Oakland A's game, and the A's will be playing the Braves starting tomorrow. So I wonder if she's going to travel with, and we can get a uh, a repeat performance. The national anthem it was on like a logging saw. Like the thing was huge. Where, how do you find stuff like that first and foremost? I mean, like it, it, you go I, searching out for like go by with somebody like listen, man. We, I know, we, but you find stuff that like I I, I I you have showed me something like where did you find this? And it's not even like quite viral yet. And you're like, oh, you just, it just popped up. Mm-hmm. And there's a lady. You want a lady playing a saw today? Cats playing poker? We got it. I mean, it was if amazing. You, if, if you are involved, if you are involved with the, you know, with that department, you saying <laughs> we need somebody to play now? Ask them now. Uh, tell them. Can you we, sing? We, no, no. We got, we got, a, we got a lady that can play it, play it on the saw. But I can't. What, what do you mean on the saw? <laughs> like she can play on the saw. Like can she? Can, can she? Can she be here tomorrow? Yeah. Can you be here tomorrow? Yeah. How does it sound? All Doesn't matter. Right. I, I, For the <laughs> playing of the national anthem, Miss Susan, you know Cartwright. Yeah, we'll be playing on her song, <laughs> known as Sally. Take it away. Who knows? Hey, at the end of the day, you know America's got talent. It's more than just a show, Kevin. I mean, people can do some talented things. I mean, I wonder if she get. She had like a bow or something like from a fiddle, but I wonder if she could like actually play it. Listen, While when, cutting when, wood with it. <laughs> when, I, when I when I used to, when I used to, when I was with the Oakland Raiders and I used to uh, go to uh, San Francisco, which is right over the uh, the Bay Bridge, there was a guy in the city that had a dog. On top of the dog sat a cat. On top of the cat sat a rat, and they would just sit there. And I'm like, what? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And you have to pay. Like, you have to they, pay to see this. No, or? no, they just sitting there, and I'm like. And then, and, then, and then, you know, I mean, and you know, obviously the guy looking at me goes, "Are you going to give us? Any, are you going to give us any money? Give us some money? Yeah." Wait, what you think? There's we're just four mouths here? to feed yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're just sitting here. Uh, yeah. I mean, so so what was the trick? Just the fact they were sitting nothing, there. I mean, no, no yeah, they just sitting there. I mean, I, there was a guy. Um, there was a guy uh, in San Francisco that he plays instrument. He'll play. He can play. He can make music out of anything. He'll make music out of a um, you know, he'll take like the chord. He'll take a chord or something that's on a freaking uh, the thing you pull on a on a freaking lawnmower. He'll take a he'll take a weedy to make and make music with it. People got some. Weird. I said, look, man, just get you some drums like anybody else. Though. And you see the people with the drums, they be beating on, on the buckets and stuff or what may have you. But, I mean, you know, the the the, the saw playing anthem player, that's, hey, I mean, Kevin, when I show you, look, you like, see? I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, at the end of the day, man, with so many people in the world, hey, man, where the wood at? Man, she's supposed to be cutting it. Oh, she's stupid. Saying, she's back there playing. <laughs> He's back there paying America the beautiful. What? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> That's. A, I just got was like, hey. But I mean, it's like one thing to say, hey, I can do it. It's another thing is like, hey, I'm gonna play it. Well, it is the Oakland A, so she probably played it in front of about a thousand people. But still, as you said, America's Got Talent sawing away at the, at the national anthem. I mean, I mean, just, at the end of the day, just, just, just to have to even announce it. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. stand to your feet. With her saw. With her saw. <laughs> saying, you know, the, 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 the playing of the national anthem. Take it away. And she just and she just going with it. She's the Oakland, she's the Oakland A. Whoa, she had on the Oakland A. So Kevin, you know, do 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 the Braves fly her out and say, hey. Why not? Hey man, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you think you see it all. But you haven't. There's a man out there in San Francisco. He got a dog. Next up, 
Next up, we're going to get somebody playing it on a spoons. Oh, the, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. Listen, they, 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 got, they, got, they got like, they got all the water right there. They feel different colors. Get the boom, boom, oh, no, boom. I'm talking about like the spoons that like you slap off your knees. I was just saying. I, I mean, think you, or as you said, you get the guys out there with the water just <laughs> I mean, people can do anything. So that would be good. Now that, now that would be uh, amazing. Let's I mean, get, let's make it happen, Braves. <laughs> Water jug national anthem <laughs> before before the Braves play the uh, the A's say, coming up this are you, week. Are you going to finish that water? No. No. You Uh-oh. just turn it to a B flat. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, fella. Can you imagine? You, <laughs> you have the water jugs leveled out just right to make the note as somebody comes by and takes a sip. Oh yeah. No, no, no. That was supposed to be an A. Now you just made it. A, a, B, uh, a B minor. Uh, it, a, a B yeah. minor. It was a B, B flat. Yeah. A B flat. No, look, when now I we saw, can't play it. I, I will say this. We're going to have to. When people ask why am I on social media, I'm looking for the weird <laughs> stuff. I really am. I'm look, I'm, listen, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for the delivery drivers that can't deliver stuff because there's dogs on the front porch. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, I'm, look, I'm looking for, you know, ladies opening up their car doors and they're looking at and it's a bear in there. <laughs> and she goes, ah! And she goes, <laughs> bear. You know, I'm looking for. Uh, Sean Kevin and the guy walks up to the fence and the dog is eating through the fence. <laughs> that like, that was amazing. Like, you what? hey, you want to see if Kevin can run a four three forty? Put me next to the fence with that dog. <laughs> it will happen. Yeah, Bib is like there's a dog barking at a fence, a wood fence, and the guy goes, "Hey, little buddy," and the dog goes <laughs> and starts eating the planks <laughs> off the fence. I'm gone. I'm out of there. That's all. That's all. What were we talking? About? I, I don't even know. Listen, we got. We, listen, we was gonna talk about something, and I, and I showed you the clip. Yeah. Of the, I, listen, the it's mo- a Monday, and I got distracted listen, by some of the most interesting times happening between the break. It really you does. Never, you never ever know. Oh, that's what I was gonna talk about. It's a was, double fudge Monday. Yes, I was gonna talk about Phil. Phil Mickelson. Yep. Officially coming out about an hour and a half ago and saying I'm playing on the LIV tour, which is the Saudi tour. And you go, well, what's the big deal? A lot of people, Dustin Johnson jumping over there to it, and again. The reported backlash to this, Ben, is that the PGA Tour will say, well, you can't play with us, right? And I saw, I saw Kevin Na say, look, I have resigned from the PGA Tour, and he's going to play in, in, in this thing. And again, the big deal is, Ben, Phil was going to work with the Saudi Tour once before, and people called him out for it and said, hey, you know they do some shady stuff, and he goes, well, yeah, they do, but... You know, this is a business deal. And people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so Phil had to quit, lost all his sponsors, couldn't play in the Masters, and here we are June 6th, and he's back playing again. And you get the guaranteed money is what the, you know, end-all, be-all is. Dustin Johnson saying, look, you give me $100 million, I don't even have to win. I don't even have to play well. I just have to be there and play. Done. Don't need sponsors. We talked to Rich Toss about it. Don't need sponsors. You're giving me the money now, Right. Why do golfers get sponsors? Because when I fly from, I don't know, let's say I fly from Jacksonville out to Hawaii to play, I foot the bill for that, right? If I get the sponsor money, hey, I can pay for some of that. And if I don't make the cut, I get zero. Now, you go to Britain this week. Jeez. Hey, Dustin, you didn't play very well. That's okay. They gave me 100 grand. Okay. I, I, or, 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 100 million. Well, 100 million to play for the whole thing. So, what, 10%. Oh, they gave me 10 million. I'm good. I don't care that no, I didn't no, play. Phil, no, Phil, no, Phil, Phil is saying we we knew that. So Phil I don't know gonna, what Phil's getting. Phil, Phil, Phil was saying this. Phil was saying, "Look, 
But reportedly, Los Tiger Los turned Los down Los a big number. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. They're going to probably give him some big cheese to come over there. Phil's going to do, he's like, listen, I'm playing all the majors. And he goes, look, at a certain point, I'm going to have to deal with the scrutiny that comes back when I'm back. But how much they going to give me? Yeah, and yeah I, and I haven't seen what they're going to give him, but I guarantee you it's a lot of money. Here's the thing. And, and again, people, will he play on the PGA Tour? No, apparently not because the PGA has been kind of staunch about, hey, you go play for these guys, you're not playing out here. But here's the thing. Outside of the PGA Championship, and I don't know how Phil's going to get in that, maybe as a former winner, and they may figure out a way to not let him do that. But the PGA Tour does not control Augusta National. Mm -hmm. The PGA Tour does not control the Royal and Ancient, which puts on the British Open, or the Open Championship, as they like to call. And they don't control the USGA, who puts on the U.S. Open. So technically, all these guys could come back and play a major. I think Dustin Johnson even said kind of the same thing, where he's like, look, I'm going to play over here, I'm going to make my $100 million, and I'll still show up and play at Augusta if, they ha- if they'll have me. So to me, that's the interesting part. What is the backlash here? Is this a temporary backlash of right now you're not going to play to, well, they've already done it. The PGA, they're going to have to do something, right, Kevin? Because, like, okay, right now. Because you were trying to send a message to Phil. The fans are trying to send a message to Phil, and you're going to say, hey, you're going to lose sponsors. You're going to, what do they call it, shadow ban him, where it's like, hey, wink, wink, Phil, probably not a good idea if you come play this week. It would be better if you just didn't show up. Probably go better for you if you didn't show up to you pushed him right back to where he you didn't want him to be in the first place, yep. and he's going to play on that LIV tour. And again, if Dustin Johnson got $100 million, I mean, as a former major champion, one of the top guys out there uh, in professional golf, even though he's, what, 51, Ben, if Dustin Johnson got $100 million, deductive reasoning, and if they offered Tiger nine figures reportedly, I mean, what's Phil going to get? $200 million? Uh, he go, uh, I mean, just to be out there and be a face, right? I mean, that's basically what you're being paid to do. There's only, what, 50 guys, 48 guys on this thing? Does okay, that, I, are I, you I, trying I, to look I, up and see if somebody posted yeah, how much uh, this, he's got? This is coming from Brentley, Brentley Romine, a staff writer, Golf Channel. Phil Mickelson officially listed in the field of the LIV golf opener in London. Hearing from a source that Mickelson signed a contract Saturday night worth $200 million. So $200 million. <laughs> it don't, and again... Two hundred million. He doesn't have to win. He doesn't have to play so, well. So, so basically, does, what Phil is saying, if just like a, just like a, you know, uh, Dustin Johnson. I mean, if I can't play in the majors for the next year, I'm gonna make. I don't know how long it take them. If that's more money that Phil made on tour, because Tiger didn't make, but a hundred. No, I'm saying didn't. Yeah, this make, is from actually on tour golf. On tour, not, oh, yeah. not, I'm not, not I'm the not sponsors. sponsors. Two hundred million dollars just to show up. To oh, play, man. I think they play right now eight, nine tournaments. No, I don't know if this is a multi-year deal, but still, $200 million, and you don't have, and again, that's the impetus. Like, you do not have to play well. You are there to be there. Guaranteed money has been, you have talked about, I don't care if you're talking about baseball, basketball, NFL, you said, what speaks louder in pro sports than anything else? How much money are you going to give me? And on the PGA Tour, you got to go out and make the cut. Where you finish determines how much you get. And on the LIV tour, Phil, we want you to show up, and we're willing to give you $200 million to make sure you do. The end. And, again, you can have your qualms with uh, the Saudis and how they do things and their, their records on doing things, and I understand that. But when you're talking about these athletes and why they would do it, somebody said, I will, give, I will guarantee you more money 
than you made playing golf to just come and show up and play. I mean, chips. I mean that that's 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 the NBA. So that was some, hey. some big news about an hour and a half ago. Phil Mickelson doing it, and as you said, a source saying it's two hundred million. So they are giving two guys three hundred million dollars to show up. Yeah, that is. Uh, and again, that's not two hundred million, one hundred million to play in one. I mean, they're going to get it over the course of playing multiple events, multiple events on this tour. But because I know people say, "Oh, two hundred million, they're going to throw away P- PGA Tour stuff to play in one event." I mean, if it was one event, that would be even more ridiculous. Two hundred million, but, but yeah, they're taking the guaranteed money and they are running. And it, Ben, I think the PGA Tour. This is me. Has some 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 soul searching to do on some of this because again. You can have the the qualms about what happens with the Saudi government and the, and the things that happen over there, but when you're talking about golfers at the end of the day, and people will justify it however they want to say, they are paying me to play golf. I don't agree with what they are doing, but they are paying me to show up a lot of money and, and play golf. And I think what kept most of the PGA Tour guys over there was the public pressure, what happened to Phil. They didn't want to have happened to them. The backlash, and now you've seen Phil go right back, apparently get paid big dollars. Dustin Johnson go back, get paid big dollars, and some other guys. I mean, how are you going to keep some of these guys if this thing gets successful through the first year and they go to more of your guys and go, how much you make last year on the PGA Tour? I made $10 million. We'll give you 50 right now. Come on. I don't have to win? I mean, it's, it's no? Gonna, it's going it's to be, be hard. I, and, and look, and, and I think you make the greatest point. When people say, oh, man, with everything's going on, let me help you understand something, right? I could, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, I don't know, Phil, they are not, they do not agree with what the Saudis do to their citizens. This, yep. this is about the tournament. And the thing about the PGA is they're making all these threats. They're going to have to, they're going to have to, they're going to have to put something on paper or something concrete. But at the end of the day, you think what a hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars? People say, "Well, Tiger didn't go. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger ain't hurting for no cheese." And yeah. don't you think they can find a way? They can find a way to make that money up for but, a guy like that. But Tiger I'm just saying. But there is a point where if they said, I mean, reportedly nine figures, right? So if they gave Phil two hundred. So yeah, they gave Phil two hundred, and Tiger probably can't play. They probably say, "Tiger, we'll give you three just to be around." We don't need you to play. I mean, at some point, people will go, I mean, this is, even for a guy like Tiger Woods, multi-generational money <laughs> to, to lock up your family, your kids, their kids. I mean, and I think that is what it, what it comes down to at the end of the day. I'm interested to see how this continues to go because, again, the whole reason I thought it was kind of falling apart is because of the backlash Phil got, and I think there was a lot of pressure for him. Hey, don't do that. You're a PGA Tour guy. And where is he now? Pushed him right back over there through the uh, kind of shadow banning of sending him right back to the LIV Tour, and he's making more money than he'll probably have ever made on the PGA Tour. Very interesting. We'll talk more about this tomorrow uh, with Rich Styles as we do every Tuesday, but that's some late-breaking news. Very, very interesting stuff. we got more to come here. Hall of Fame, a ballot announced. Some guys out there on the first time, some big-timers. It's three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. College Football Hall of Fame ballot is out, Ben. Ray Lewis. Tim Tebow, they're on it for the uh, for the first time. Some, I mean, just a list of just straight up college football all timers uh, on this thing. 
uh, that have added to the list of our, you know, Sebastian Janikowski still on there. Uh, a number of guys who are looking to get in uh, to the College Football Hall of Fame. And you and I were talking, look, the criteria must be on a recognized first-team All-America list in order to get in. So there's a number of guys who are great players, and you and I talked about this. College Football Hall of Fame. You're D1. You cover FCS. You cover Division Two. You cover Division Three. That's a number of schools. I believe there's 130. Well, I know there's 130 uh, FBS programs, Ben. There's like 120 FCS programs that play at that level. And I want to say there's something along the lines of about 115 that play Division Two. So you have to be one of 22 guys in over, you know, 130 programs in one season in order to get recognition? No, I, I, I think you need to look at the model and say, look, how can we still be the hall of the elite college football players and not necessarily water it down uh, and just take anybody? But when you look at guys and say, you know, who was it? Uh, Todd Gurley, top five running back in the SEC all time in terms of yards. Can't get in. At least as the, 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 the rules are currently written. And you say, well, why not? Who's never first team All-American. Probably one of the best two or three running backs in all of college football during his time. Never first team All-American. How's that? So you look at guys like that and say, how do you get in? But, man, you look at the guys that are eligible. Ray Lewis, Tim Tebow. I think uh, Mark, uh, Mark Richt is in as one of the coaches. Paul Johnson on the list as one of the coaches. Uh, talking about his time there you know, at Georgia Southern and what he was able to do. But to me, you got to look at some of that. I think Irk Russell, not in the College Football Hall of Fame, and that's a tragedy. Started a program from scratch, beautiful Eagle Creek. Mm-hmm. You had a creek and a football. And I guess if you want to dramatize it, you had a creek, a football, and a dream. And you, turn, and you turn it into a program that won six national championships, not all under him, but you started that program and turned it almost immediately into a winner. And you were a, you know assistant coach at the University of Georgia. Uh, when they were uh, you know, junkyard dog defense, legendary guy, not in the College Football Hall of Fame. How is that possible? How, uh, you just look at it and say, how is that, how is that possible? Uh, Howard Schnellenberg, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. Starting programs, building them into well, you know, there, championship contenders. A certain winning percentage. And all yeah, I think you have to have a certain winning percentage, have to have coached in a certain number of games. Like, come on, man. You can, as, as you said, Hall of Fame. Can you tell the story? Yeah. Are there guys that are instrumental to the fabric of college football that don't meet some of the criteria? Absolutely. Now, again, I'm not advocating for those guys and saying, oh, well, because they should get in. That means you have to let in everybody. He was run. But, but you're talking about a guy that the, the SEC has been around a long time. He's top five. Top five rusher all time. Did, weren't, didn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't uh, Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb Weren't they when they were there? Weren't they both in the top five all time mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. running backs? It was like Herschel Walker, Todd Gurley, Bo Jackson, Nick Chubb. Like, what? What? What are you? What are you talking about? What are you talking about uh, when it comes to the College Football uh, Hall of Fame? But no, oh, no, because they weren't on the the, the twenty two man list of first team All American. They're not going to get consideration. I, I just think that's wrong. I think you got to look at it and say, look, yes, you are on one hand, sell me on. You are the elite of the elite because there's only twenty two guys. Maybe more if you go by the second list, but there's going to be some crossover, obviously. There's only 22 guys can be a first-team All-American. And I think there's only two uh, two lists that they actually consider to be like the All-American. It's not like, oh, you were first-team All-American by ESPN.com. Like, 
I think it was, you know, Football Writers Association put out all, like, there's a couple of lists that you have to be on if you want to be this thing. Uh, being the College Football Hall of Fame, I think you got to look at it and say, look, when we're talking about the fabric of college football, I'm not saying you put every great player from every team in, but you're talking about 22 guys out of 130 programs each and every year can be a Division I first-team All-American. I, I just think you got to look at it and say, look, in the spectrum of great great players who have had great careers, you, you could talk to me about compiling, but if you're going to look at guys and say, hey, he was never first-team All-American, but, but he... But these guys were the second and uh, second and fourth like all-time leading rushers in a league like the SEC. Come on, that has, I mean that has to mean something. Was I mean was Philip Rivers a first-team All-American? I don't know if he was. I'm trying to think because he played in the era of Joe Hamilton and some guys like that. But Philip Rivers, he's, I think he's the all-time leading passer in the ACC by a lot. Mm-hmm. Like like it's not close. And if he was not, can you, are you looking that up? I don't no, know what you're doing. I, no, so I'm, I'm, no I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the – But of there that. are guys on there, but I'm saying I, – I, I think you look at that criteria and say, man, you got to expand it out a little bit. Go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. No, we, no, we, no. We, what, what, I will say this. Once again, the College Football Hall of Fame criteria is crazy. I mean, I mean, Kevin, they're going way back. I mean, not, this ain't way – I mean, Eric Berry, Tennessee, Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State, right, Reggie Bush, Rocky Kalmas. Oklahoma, and they all Grant. have first team All American status and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I think, and I think what Dallas Clark, Tim Couch, Brad Culpepper, Ken Dorsey, you know, it's Warwick Dunn, Dwight Freeney, Robert Gallery, and and some Tony Gonzalez, Kevin Hardy, Marvin Harrison, you know, Josh Heupel, Coach Heupel's, I mean, he's on this thing. Steve Hutchinson, Brady James, Lamichael James, Sebastian Janikowski. Derek Johnson, LeVon Kirkland, Luke Keekley, I mean, J- James Laronitis, Ryan Leaf, Ray Lewis, Marshawn Lynch, Terrence Mathis, Bryant McKinney, Heath Miller. It's going to be a lot of people not get in, not because they weren't uh, Hall of Fame worthy, man. It's like you're only going to get so many yeah. votes. Kellen Moore, a guy that was well ahead of his time at Boise State. Ken Norton Jr. Julius freaking Peppers. Yeah, on the list. He had some big, big I mean, timers. Antoine Randall at Indiana. Eric Rett. Simeon Rice. Ron Rivera. You know, I mean, Chris Samuels. I. The, it's like the college football. It's like the college. Uh, the college. I mean, the college football Hall of Fame selection committee. They're trying to. You're trying to do all these. If a guy was good enough, put him in. Yeah. Why you got to have a set, a set no, number I, of guys I, I would, and all these different things. I, I did check up. Uh, Philip Rivers. 51 straight games started, 13,000 passing yards in four years uh, at, at NC State. 95 touchdowns. That's eighth all-time, 13th all-time in career passing yards. That was the – I know he's the ACC leader in passing yards for his career. Like, can't get in. Why? Never first-team All-American. He was, the, he, was, he was the ACC Athlete of the Year, Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, first-team All-ACC – uh, but he will not be in the College Football Hall of Fame list because he was not a first-team All-American. You got, I mean, you got to look at that and say he holds the passing record for an entire league, one of the Power Five leagues, and can't get in because of some of that. Uh, to me, I find that just to be a little bit ridiculous. It's going it's yeah, it's it's to it's it's be egregious. I mean, the College Football Hall of Fame is always going to be. It's all, it, you know, we it's, it's always about who didn't get in. 
I mean, I remember D'Angelo Williams when he was at, you know, uh, when he was at Memphis. Peter P. Dub, Peter Warwick, who's still down there, two-time first-team All-American. You know, Troy Vincent. You know, I mean, Kevin Smith, Justin Smith out of, out of Mizzou, Alex Smith. I think sometimes, Kevin, you know, we just get it wrong. If you are on these committees, I mean, you should just get it wrong. They should have a former college football Hall of Famer. Get, they get the cast of vote of the, of the of the final list. I mean, Lomas Brown, University of Florida, got, got inducted in a couple of years ago. You know, David Pollock is in. There are certain guys, Luke Keekley should be in. I mean, all-time leader in tackles in college, played for three years. Hit everything that moved. Brian McKinney never gave up a sack at Miami. Never gave up a sack. Dwight Freeney, Robert Gallery, Reggie Bush. In, 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 I mean, P, yeah. I mean, so I some, sometimes, Kevin, when it comes to the College Football Hall of Fame, there are going to be guys that had incredible careers, just happened to play at a time to where somebody else was. It's only going to be one first-team All-American quarterback. If you played during the time of Deshaun Watson, Tim Tebow, uh, Johnny Manziel, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Tua, how you going to get in? I was going through Ty Gurley's uh, resume, uh, you know, in the first hour of the show. He did all this, no first-team All-American. They're going to say that, sorry. It's like yeah. you walk in and say, Ty Gurley here for the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and he's one that you look at and say, this is one of the best players in college football, bar none during his career at the University of Georgia. I don't get it, but again, I think Tim Tebow, Ray Lewis, they ain't going to have anything to worry about. They're, yep. they're, I think they're going to get Tim Tebow will get in. Will you get in on the first shot? Probably. I mean, I'm sorry, Ben, like, yeah, I don't, just I don't, from I don't, an iconic standpoint. I don't, yeah, don't like want to be, even though they're they they nameless, I don't want to be on the I don't, I don't want to be the one that's, that's not voting him. <laughs> hey, Tim Tebow, most popular player in college football and most famous player in college football in a long time. No, nope, he, he's going to have to wait another year. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> He's outside with his entourage. They're probably really? the same folks that didn't vote uh, Babe Ruth in on the first ballot. Derek Jeter couldn't get on the first ballot. So they're not voting for Derek Tim. Jeter, oh my God. I think there's only been one uh, unanimous Hall of Famer so far. That's Mariano Rivera. Got 100%. Nobody. He's Beast. the only one. Beast. That means somebody voted no on everybody else at least once. We got more to come. It's three and outs on the Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. If you missed any portion of the show, ESPNCoastal.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You get a podcast version of the show or go to our YouTube channel, uh, ESPN Coastal there on YouTube, and you can see Ben and mine's uh, smiling faces. We break down Tom Hanks movies, NFL, baseball, much, much more. So ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. Love to have you give us a follow and a uh, subscribe to the channel. You'll know we go live each and every day. Thanks to Fred Owens for joining us here on the show. And Ben, we'll see you tomorrow here on 3 and Out.